guest here. And you can bring up absolutely anything you want to discuss. All you have to do is dial in to do that. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Joining you in the studio tonight is Ian. And Jay Noon. Jay Noon with us on a, a different day than normal. You got some other things scheduled for this week. So glad to have you in here tonight when we also have with us from, is it uh, Costa Rica right now? That's right. I'm in Costa Rica. Mark Edge is with us from Costa Rica. Uh, are you in the capital city, Mark, or somewhere else? I am not in the capital city. Okay. Not going to tell us where, though, huh? Well, I mean, you know, I don't want the hit squad coming to get me. <laughs> All right. Well, we got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight, given that it is Independence Day. And starting out with a survey that Americans, not surprisingly, are in a large part clueless about what the point of the 4th of July is. And of course, we've been we've been pointing this out for years on Free Talk Live that there's been, for as long as I can remember, it seems like a concerted push to relabel the holiday from Independence Day to the 4th of July. The 4th of July, the day on which you purchase and explode firecrackers from China and buy alcohol and, uh, you know, meat for a barbecue and you throw a big party and... You don't really know why, because it's just the 4th of July. It's a day that people do these things, right? When I grew up, we used to go to New Hampshire and purchase our fireworks because uh, I was <laughs> you, in Massachusetts. The place you could. So we'd have to go buy these fireworks, drive across this imaginary border yep. where there's people ha- that have guns, uh, and then... Uh, Try and then go buy these fireworks, which was totally fine, okay to do. And then you know, literally turn around and drive a quarter mile, and now you're you know in violation now of Massachusetts law. Mm-hmm. And uh, go home and you know blow off fireworks. I you know, did that a lot. I remember <laughs> hearing uh, when we first moved here about Massachusetts state police uh, staking out the fireworks store parking lots in New Hampshire. To look for people that had mass plates yep. and then pull them over on the way home. I think they stopped doing that, but that was definitely in the news in the past. Yeah, there was definitely, uh, and I, I forget, I think it's Jaffrey, New Hampshire, what uh, I think is Route 202. Um, you know, the 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 fireworks store is, you know, you could, you know, throw a baseball into Massachusetts from the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I do remember a story about that. There was basically an undercover cop sitting mm-hmm. there uh, and he would radio cars that would just you know go south because the only place to go was massachusetts right. uh, and Damn. there'd be you know uh and i i remember driving through there years ago and i had gotten hay or something but uh I remember they just had like six or seven you know cruisers kind of there's like a little like recreational area and there's like uh, mm-hmm. over there and yeah they had just, just lined up to pull people over just pulling people over mm-hmm. uh so yeah so it for a lot of people they don't even have the freedom to set off fireworks in different places in the united states not a particularly independent feeling but i don't think i've ever seen a poll like this before where according to the hyphen sun.com uh, looks like a poll has been done by an organization called One Poll. They spoke with a thousand U.S. respondents, 99% of whom identified as either a born or naturalized U.S. citizen. And when asked what the 4th of July is meant to officially commemorate, only 59% gave the correct answer, which was the signing of the Declaration of Independence. 41% of them got the question wrong, although 22%. Was it multiple choice? 
I presume so, because they are saying that uh, 22% chose, quote, the establishment of the United States as an independent nation. So it's not as wrong. Those people aren't as wrong as they could be, I suppose, in that case. And only 45% correctly answered the year the very first organized celebration of independence took place, which was 1777, a year after the Declaration of Independence was signed in 1776. So 41%, four out of 10 people in the United States do not know what the point of Independence Day is. They don't even know probably that it's called Independence Day. So to tell you how old those the, these people are in this, I wonder how many of those 41% are, say, like under 25 or, or you know, um, yeah, I'll or see grew if I up can... in a city or, you know, something like that. Because it <clears throat> there's definitely huge uh, cultural conflicts in this country between, you know, the rural and the city areas with... All kinds of things, especially things just like, and also with, you know, the ones that, uh, you know, are still in some form of public indoctrination, whether it be public school or university. I I can't get too upset about the people who said that it was the form, uh, the forming of the nation or something like that. I mean, uh, I don't know how this was set up, but if you read that and you're like, oh, yeah, that's what the 4th of July is about. I, I, I can't call that too up. I can't get too upset. Well, and and it, you know it it makes logical sense. It's, they're not totally off, but uh, you know the reason I asked the age is because you know, especially school for the past couple of generations, they've been more concerned about you know uh, what gender you might want to be or pretend to be or your friend is or whoever gender mm-hmm. you know affirmation than they have about actual history. Um, in fact, I just uh, an uncle of mine passed away, my uncle Kevin, uh, this past winter, and we this past weekend we had uh, a um family meet up and a little ceremony for him. And I was talking to a couple of my brother, my grandfather's sisters. So one woman, 79 years old and the other one, 75 years old. And they were, you know, got to meet my kids for the first time and had a blast with the kids. And they're like, please teach your children cursive. And, uh, these, (laughs) and, uh, these guys are, um, you know, they worked basically in education, a good chunk of their lives. Um, you know, my, these would be my great aunts. And uh, I'm like, oh, I plan to teach them cursive. I want them to be able to read deeds and titles and, you know, script from, mm-hmm. you know, 100 years ago. Because, uh, uh, and so I said to these guys, I go, why aren't they, don't want to, why are public schools not teaching cursive anymore? And she says, well, because they say everything's done on a computer. And I said, well, I think it's so that young, so in, in 50 years, nobody can look back 150 years and, you know, see what history actually said, because hmm. all the digital stuff is so easy to just sort of make it whatever you want to where the stuff that's written in archives or, you know, you might find a book from the 1800s that grandpa, you know, left you or something. These kids won't be able to um, to read that stuff. And she uh, she's like, yep, I agree with you uh, there. They just and, and then. The same thing with all the gender stuff. You know, you didn't, you didn't have all these problems 30 or 40, 50 years ago. And, you know, the public schools are certainly creating them now. And that came right from, a, you know, uh, two women that, you know, spent mo- a lot of their career in public education. Unfortunately, Jay, I did take a look here to see if they have demographic information on this. And most surveys, you can you know, dig in and you can actually find the official results, right? Like this was just being reported by whatever website uh, and I went to one poll's site, and I expected I was going to be able to actually get the the full breakdowns, which you would normally be able to get from a poll. But 
I can't find it. So uh, it would be really interesting to see, you know, what are the age demographics? Is our younger people less likely to know what Independence Day is than older people? I mean, it seems like something we could pre- safely presume to be the I case. think younger people are less likely to be able to find the United States on a map. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that too. Yeah, there was some of that kind of stuff going on with the survey too, uh, according to Study Finds, which is also reporting on the same survey. Four out of ten did not know that the right to bear arms is part of the Second Amendment as opposed to the first. I mean, that's trivia, but still, four out of ten. And 11% mistakenly believed that the freedom of speech was not part of the First Amendment at all. So one in ten of uh, Americans don't even know that freedom of speech is right there uh, in the First Amendment. Again, one in ten? I guess that's not so bad in that particular case. Uh, But four out of ten not even knowing what Independence Day is. It's pretty sad stuff. Well, I think that what's um, what I get out of this is when you have one in ten Americans who don't know that the freedom of speech is enshrined in the Bill of Rights, that those people still have the right to vote. Yeah, they and do. They prob- yeah. And they probably have. Mm-hmm. And I just would like to hear a defense as to you know that that 10 percent because that 10 percent has a counterparty that counterparty is the top 10 percent the people who really know what they're talking about when it comes to mm-hmm. the constitution and uh, the governance of the united states and things like that and the bottom 10 percent block out all the votes that, that choose to vote the bottom 10 percent that choose to vote because many of them opt out but um th- those people block out all the people at the top that vote and, and by that you mean they cancel the those votes they cancel those votes mm-hmm. out for yeah. if you have you know if you've got 10 people voting for joe blow and you've got 11 people voting for um you know winona whoever and i mean it's only that last vote counted because the other people uh blocked it out well i mean just to be fair to those people the people at the upper echelons of education aren't necessarily better at voting i mean there a lot of those people are voting for big government status as well so they may or may not cancel i mean uh it's hard to really say i guess you can you can I'd say i'd rather have people that know what the hell they're talking about vote than people who do not i know how to solve um, that problem uh, abolish no, voting well abolish uh, the government i think only uh landowners should be able to vote mm. and that's people the way with a it, stake in the game right and that's the way it was at, uh, at one time mm-hmm. and if you're a landowner you know um how's a landowner going to answer this poll right yeah. how's someone that owns land because there there are a certain type of individual that owns land versus you know people that don't own land you know in general what should there be a minimum amount of land or can i divvy up my acre into one you know 100 parts and sell one one hundredths of an acre to my friends so they can register to vote i don't like rules <laughs> like that happen. uh but i because that will happen mark's right about that but i do know that uh years ago i had come across some stuff where it was the indiana corporation Mm. And every uh, basically landowner had a share in the Indiana Corporation. And this was like from, you know, the the 1800s, you know, I don't remember exactly what year. And it's also been 20 years since I've researched this stuff. But this is when I was first getting into like a loyal title and, you know, um, land patents and stuff like that. But uh, basically, you know, it's landowners, for example, when you're going to go vote at your local town thing, whether to increase the budget or not, it's landowners who are going to have to pay for it. You know, and right. so when you have a, you know, a whole bunch of people living in, 
you know, in the local projects, those, you know, the Section 8 housing, you know, they all show up and vote because they want to make sure they get theirs. All the all the parasites show up and vote. Actually, not all of them. At least half of them do. But like, you know, less than 1% of the productive working class actually show up and vote because well, a lot of times they got to work. They're too busy. They got better stuff to do. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the parasite class on, you know, on, on election day, town election day, they always have the day off and it's usually paid, you know, for them. Uh, depending on which particular you know sector of the parasite you're working for, but uh, <clears throat> and that's the way it was. You know, I, I believe uh, back or, you know shortly after the um, you know Revolutionary War and stuff, that it was landowners who had you know who voted because they were the ones that counted. They had was that a constitutional amendment that changed that? I I don't know to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't either. I, it would be interesting to see somebody make a proposal like a state rep. To put forward a proposal, and I, I presume that's going to have to be a constitutional amendment to change it back, at least here uh, in New Hampshire, to see if you could get that to even get any kind of so Rick traction. Hum- Rick Humboldt um, actually did a thing years ago in Henniker. Um, it was in late night. It was when he was into Ron Paul. Big, you know, that's how he uh, got into freedom was Ron Paul. So this was in the early two thousands. He did put some kind of warrant article in, uh, for the town to vote on that only landowners. Um, uh, that that only landowners could vote on particular articles that increased the taxes, hmm. uh, or 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 increased basically their burden. I, I don't remember how it was written, and you know it it got some votes, but it mm-hmm. wasn't voted in. Yeah, that's tough because you're going against yeah. all the the regular people that don't own land, and then they're going to vote it down. Right. Yeah. yeah, we've got almost 200 years of the whole notion that everybody one person one vote, and I mean that's a on, in the human scale of things. It's a really short period of time, but uh, I mean, there's all kinds of plans. One of you know, one thing I've said is is that we already have a test to see whether somebody's qualified to vote or not, and we call it the United States Citizenship Exam. Now, it's not issued to everybody who gets a vote, but it is issued to the people who uh, are not born within the plot of the, the the polygon known as the United States, and. In that manner, uh, we have a test for who gets to vote and who doesn't. So why not administer that test to everybody? What what difference does it make? What piece of mud you happen to have been pushed out on? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I would say that that might be a solution. But again, I don't think any of these things are particularly likely. And this is one of the reasons why I picked up and left the United States, because all the solutions, all the good ideas put out by the, all the earnest good people are simply going to be ignored. I mean, when Donald Trump decided he wasn't going to take the time to even think about administering the metric system. And I know that this is a weird thing to harp on, but, you know, I'm like, yeah, this guy could get could get anything he wants to get done, done. And he's just, you know, busy tweeting away. And, uh, you know, like, it's just. It, it's doomed. It's it's where the deck chairs are on the Titanic. And we know how that ends up. Yeah, I think uh, I think most of us on this show would agree with the assessment that the United States is doomed. Uh, is only the question is how much longer does it have? How many more years? Because, by the way, 250 years is coming up in uh, 2026, if oh, I'm correct about that. I don't think that this country is 250 years. Uh, it is near that. I think uh, basically... What the United States of America, the the Bill of Rights, the the Constitutions, all these freedoms, that all came to a sudden halt uh, in 1864 with Executive Order Number One. What was that? Uh, Executive Order Number, I believe, it was March 31st, 1864, is when, and I could have that date a little wrong, is when Abraham Lincoln called on a militia to come stand guard at Washington D.C. 
So this was basically the very beginning of the Civil War. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> by the time we got to Clinton, I believe that there was over 10,000 executive orders. Um, and so There was never one before Abraham Lincoln? He that, was the first one? That was number one, wow. from, unless somebody wants to correct me. That's amazing. Uh, so basically the Constitution was set off, set, set aside mm-hmm. and was no longer in effect because the government was operating under uh, basically martial law. And then in 1867, we had the Reconstruction Acts of 1867, which is basically where our modern form of federal government down sort of control uh, started, best I can tell. And the other thing, too, is, uh, you know, with uh, voting. So I like the idea of, you know, um, and I used to like this a lot more when I was like more of a, you know, staunch conservative uh, 20 years ago. But if you are a welfare recipient or a government employee, if you're, you, you know, shouldn't be able to vote, shouldn't be able to vote. Yeah. Um, Seems yeah. fair. And but I, my neighbor should you be might able, be able to get that one to pass. You might be able to my in na- the right circumstance. My neighbor should be able to vote for anything that there is to vote for whatever, however he feels, as long as his vote doesn't impact my rights. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was really the whole premise as far as I'm concerned. Like that's a sum of what the Declaration of Independence you know, was about that you do anything you want as long as you don't violate anyone's life liberty or property to that same end the government employees should also not be allowed to come and testify to uh the state house because if you ever go to the state house in new hampshire it's very accessible anybody who wants to can come down there and testify on any bill every bill gets a, a public hearing so very easy to go down there and be heard but the problem is most of the people testifying there besides there are a bunch of free staters and they're doing a great job but most of the people testifying are government bureaucrats who are down there advocating police officers, Department of Transportation, you know, you name it. If there's a bill that could possibly expand their power, they're on the spot ready to testify in favor of why they should have more power and they should have a bigger budget and more control. And it's just so hard for the average person to take a day off of work and get up there. You have to really be dedicated uh, to go to that state house. But these government bureaucrats, they get paid yeah, to there, go to the state house there was uh i was 2017 i was there a bunch um at the state house just mm-hmm. watching these bills and there was a guy he represents the uh, chief of police association or something he oh, said oh yeah and uh, i think he was a laconia chief of police or look or um, i forget what town but i talked to mm-hmm. him for a minute and uh um, white-haired guy yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. i said so you're getting paid to be here today he kind of yeah. he, he didn't really want to answer me mm-hmm. he's like like, yeah, it's part of my salary. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, finally was his answer. Mm-hmm. But, oh, speaking of pay, there's a whole bunch of DCYF social workers. We've been looking at their, you know, uh, I had a good meetup about a month ago with um, uh, J.R. Hole. And he's been doing, you know, State Representative J.R. Hole. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's been doing a bunch of research. A whole bunch of these social workers are making like 40, 50 grand a year just in overtime. They're like, God. you know, yearly paychecks, like over a hundred grand a year. Just to ruin people's lives. And, 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 and they're all just miserable, stupid people. It, 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 it's, it's incredible. Wow. Yeah. The, the, the parasites really gotten out of control. In fact, uh, when I run for state rep again, one of the things I want to, uh, I want to, I want to do is, um, uh, promote or be part of my campaign is, uh, the government needs an ivermectin treatment or to go, or, 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 or the state needs to be dewormed. Deworm them. Because <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of these like nasty parasites in the state that would yeah, yeah. serve no purpose in a free economy. But there are a lot of like positions in the state that would actually, you know, exist in a free economy. Sure, like, like you know, snowplow repair, guy. All, yeah, that yeah. stuff like that, infrastructure. Right. Uh, but anyways, yeah, we, we, the state needs an ivermectin treatment in a bad way. <laughs> are you going to run again next year? 
I think so, okay. as long as my wife lets me. Right, you got to keep up the momentum for sure. Uh, if you want to comment here, it is Independence Day. The number is 603-283-6160. Uh, related story from the New York Times about people who aren't feeling particularly patriotic. Uh, headline, no sparklers for these folks. Growing up in Benton, Arkansas, Malaya Tapp loved celebrating the 4th of July with her family. She said we'd go to parades and see fireworks shows and hang out with friends. It was always such a fun holiday. But now that she's an adult, she's 18 and entering college next year, commemorating the holiday isn't so simple. It started in 2020 when the Black Lives Matter movement spotted many of the injustices across the country. She said, I lost a lot of my patriotic feelings. She now lives in Atlanta. Also realized that many festive components of the 4th of July just aren't palatable for her. And I, you know, regardless of how you feel about the issue uh, that might have brought her out of her patriotism, the fact is, this is true for a lot of people. As the federal or state or local government begins to set its sights on more and more of our friends and family members or us directly, uh, that is what it's going to take in a lot of cases to shake people out of their slumber and get them to pay attention to what's actually going on. And it will absolutely ruin those uh, those people's pa- uh, patriotism when they realize that this isn't the free country they thought it was. My dad used to always say, uh, people don't care about freedom. They don't care about defending themselves. They don't care about like what goes on at court or any of those things nope. until, until their ox gets gored. Mm-hmm. And you know your ox, you know, two hundred years ago, if you weren't able to use your ox to pull your plow or to you know get your wagon of goods to market, uh, your family might starve to death and not make it through winter. So. Uh, and there was a lot of people that they didn't pay attention to things until something bad happened to them. Unfortunately, that's that's what it takes. I mean, you can story after story after story can hit the news and they can just rationalize it away by saying, oh, well, it's just a few bad apples. Most most police are good. And it, it's not until that the cops show up and shoot their dog or throw a grenade in their baby's crib uh, that they actually finally realize that there is a serious problem. And it's not just a few bad apples or that the rest of the saying is a few bad apples spoils the bunch. Of course, nobody ever says that part. Uh, The number here is 603-283-6160. Just like how almost no one even calls this holiday Independence Day. So it's important to remember when somebody wishes you happy 4th of July, you can just bat it back at them and say happy Independence Day. Just remind them. That's what I do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, There's more coming up here. The number is 603-283-6160. You can join us on Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In addition to being one of the world's first cryptocurrencies, Dash was the first crypto project to have a decentralized autonomous organization that to this day continues to improve and promote Dash. Every month, 10% of the mining rewards go into a treasury. Anyone with one Dash to spend can put forward a proposal to the Dash masternodes to vote on. The masternodes vet the proposals and decide which ones move forward and are funded by the treasury. In fact, that's exactly how we got this sponsorship. Nowadays, DAOs are plentiful, but Dash paved the way by doing it first, nearly a decade ago. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org.
Talk Live. You can join the show here and bring up what you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. We're talking a little bit about Independence and Independence Day. Last night I said we were going to get into a story about Northern California secession. We never got to it, so hopefully we'll have a chance to do that here tonight with you. It's Ian. And Jay. And Mark. We also have Mark joining us from somewhere in Costa Rica. Of course, your calls and thoughts are welcome. The number is 603-283-6160. Also discussing four out of ten Americans don't even know what is being celebrated on Independence Day. Of course, the question was, you know, what is being celebrated on the 4th of July? So, uh, and and I think that that comes from a wide level of uh, propaganda that is out there in the mainstream media and from politicians. I saw Joe Biden on social media today from his account, which is probably not run by him, uh, run by his handlers likely, but Joe Biden's handlers posting a happy 4th of July meme. So, at government levels, at uh, press you know, levels, media levels, you constantly see people referring to the holiday as the 4th of July. It's just been programmed into people to wipe away any kind of thoughts of independence. And uh, again, if you want to comment, you can join the show. The number is 603-283-6160, a survey by YouGov. According just to, to be just yes. to be completely fair here, it's not independence for you on Independence Day. It's independence for the United States government from the British government. Like that's what the purpose is. I, get I don't it know if there was a United States government at the time the Declaration was. Uh, was there certainly signed. wasn't. As a matter of fact, it was a bunch of uh, individual states that put out a declaration. They went, they came together and put out a declaration. And by the way, the term "we the people" doesn't come around for another close to two decades. So then, that would um, argue against what you're saying, and that would be that those people were declaring independence together from the uh, the the king and his government, and that they didn't even have a real government to to replace it with at that point. Well, how's this? fine it's the independence of 13 nations from the from great britain okay and and to uh further comment on what you had to say about uh you know the government u.s government has the independence actually the u.s government just has a monopoly on violence or in fact in fact they are totally dependent on people being dependent on the state uh, this is why health and human services wants to make sure that there's as many drug addicts as possible in every city uh, you know, just ask any EMT who responds to a heroin overdose. Uh, if the guy who did the heroin overdose or the opiate overdose, um, you know, has an EBT card and they're going to be like, oh yeah, they all, they all do. In fact, I can't re- recall any of them that don't, you know, cause health and human services want to make sure they keep on, you know, doing their drugs. Uh, but yeah, so we have a major, we have a codependency issue. Uh, you know, so the, the government is very dependent on, you know, a serfdom class, a slave mm-hmm. class, uh, consumers and producers, and also... And they're making more of them all the time. And they're very dependent on a whole useless class of people who just, you know, sit there and, you know, are, are in hunched over position, you know, constantly because they're getting whacked out on, you know, the cheapest high they can find on the street, which today I guess yeah. is, um, you know, what was that? fentanyl. Heroin, fentanyl. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, all that stuff is very much government subsidized. It's all brought into the country by the government. It's all distributed Man, those by videos the government. of those junkies on uh, city streets are just heartbreaking. Kensington Street, Philadelphia is like the scariest ones, but even like Venice Beach and mm-hmm. um, San Francisco. Yep. Uh, it, it's Portland. Just, uh, 
Seattle. I mean, there's and, so much of it. And it's a direct result of a government requiring, you know, the government is dependent on that to be out there. So here we can, you know, we need to take care of these people. This is the example, you know, this kind of stuff. And also, but the fact is, is if the product, you know, if all, all we got to do to really limit government now is the easiest in history is just stop trading in their, in their coin. Stop using their script, you know. Well, they're not making it easy, I'll tell you that. I mean, they're making it very difficult to get into cryptocurrency. I mean, we were talking with Aaron Day about it over the weekend, the Republican presidential candidate, the only one that actually, you know, is a liberty-minded person. He's a free stater. Uh, He wrote a book uh, about it, and it is, you know, it's it's harder than it's ever been. I mean, they, they want people to be ready to be taking on their central bank digital currency, they want people to think that the central bank digital currency or the CBDC is the same thing as Bitcoin. It's a digital uh, currency. You don't need this Bitcoin stuff. In fact, we're going to make it hard for you to even get Bitcoin is what they're I, trying to do. I wonder how um, how well the uh, the drug dealer is going to adopt the uh, CBDC. Because mm-hmm. right now you can go down. There's, there's, so there's tons of ways in any big city in America where there will be someone who will be willing to sell you, you know, their EBT card. Right. You know, all the groceries on it for 25% or right. 50%. Just so they can get some cash for some drugs. Yeah. Right. So uh, so I, I just, um, you know, the big thing is that the uh, drug dealers are going to have to be able to take this, you know, central bank digital currency in order to, True. you know, uh, make that work because... Um, you know, uh, but I, I, I'm sure they'll be away from the do it. I well, mean, I mean, they're not going to get rid of cash the next day, so they're going to have cash for some amount of time. But you're right; that will be a real challenge for them if and when they eliminate cash from the economy. What will? Because drugs are still going to get sold; they're sure. still going to figure out a way. But what yeah. sort of well, creative? It's ways not just they're going to get sold. I mean, this is the Jay's point, and it's it's pretty valid. Is is that to some, we know that the United States government has been involved in shipping drugs into the united states mm, now, sure the CIA. how involved we can't prove the military but we know that it's true yeah. is it one percent is it 99 percent? I, I don't know but it makes sense that they built the p- prison industrial complex to incarcerate their competition mm-hmm. yeah so yeah um i don't know yeah it'll be interesting to see how that plays out we're not there yet uh, and I don't know how long it's going to be from the implementation of the CBDC to the elimination of cash. You know that's I, their plan. I suspect but. that the CBDC is really going to just bring a massive hyperinflation within the CBDC itself. Um, mm-hmm. Because, well, first that's off, the plan. Yeah, in order, if, if that's the only way you can pay me for a service... Like for example, it's the only way you're you able to pay. You can't have a CBDC account. You don't have um, a social security number. And uh, well, I mean, I could probably get one if I really wanted to, like you know, sign up for their system somehow, yeah. or get maybe get a, a number or something, which I'm not going to do. do. That? Yeah, right. Uh, but like, you're not going to get my service. Mm-hmm. But you know, um, but I found ways ways to have people, you know, use a credit card, for example, to pay me, and they'll right. pay me fifty percent more or a hundred percent more, for example, to do something or or or, or a check because you know. I got to like send it to some third party somehow to, right. you, you gotta, know, make it's a it hassle. work. It's a hassle. And, uh, you know, you, be- actually it was something I had to do a lot before crypt- cryptocurrency became, mm-hmm. you know, I, I couldn't buy anything on, I never bought anything basically uh, online or on Amazon until uh, purse.io came out. Oh, the first rest time in peace, purse.io. The news just came out within the last 24 to 48 hours that... Yeah, well, it, it almost died a few years ago, and then somebody rescued it, and now it's apparently been bought by some other company, and that other company just 
Sure They're shutting well. it down. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> so well. it's over. Apparently, though, there is a competitor, and our co-host Chris Wade mentioned what it was the other day. I'll see if I can pull up the URL. Obviously, I haven't tried it because I'm not allowed to use crypto, but for those that are, that did love Purse, uh, Chris Wade, our co-host on Friday nights from Freedom Decrypted, recommends Bit Off, like B-I-T-O-F-F, like you bit off more you can chew bitoff.io which apparently allows you to buy from more than just Amazon. Apparently you can do different websites like I think Walmart maybe or right, cool. eBay or something and, like that. And Walmart's actually Using a, lot crypto. Of, a lot of people I'm not a big fan of like any of these big corporations but like Walmart uh, a lot of people are saying is better than Amazon and it's basically like the same Amazon experience when you oh, go you're on the website. I guess to buy it and they ship it to you. But I haven't used it yet but that's uh that's nice to know we can you know, access from Walmart through crypto that way. And like I said, I yeah. haven't tried it. Don't know if it's great. Don't know if it's really crappy, but I've, I've, I've heard that there are discounts available. So that mm-hmm. was the old reason why people used purse was because yep. you could not only spend crypto, but you could also save five, 10, 15, 20%, sometimes more. What I, what uh, I really liked about purse is that most of the people who were buying, you know, me, the item on purse were these guys like in Indonesia who yep. were working for Amazon and getting paid in some kind of Amazon credit. Turning that into crypto. So they were turning that into crypto. So I really like the fact that, you know, these poor people, you know, who are working Mm -hmm. are are exposed to it. They're exercising it. They're using it because it's just going to make them more resilient in the future. Well, and that goes to the point that Americans aren't willing to. And I think it's true for people in general. They're not willing to change until they're forced to in a lot of cases. And when it comes to money, uh, the force is coming. When it comes to the CBDC, they are going to start shoving that down people's throats as much as they can when it when it finally gets approved. It hasn't been approved yet. It isn't a, it isn't a done deal. It could somehow not happen, I suppose, at this point. But uh, you know, Aaron Day thinks it's coming within the next 12 months. I think and- it's well. Go ahead. Mark. Let, let, I'd like to pop in on this one. Let's remember what happens when the government tr- tries to innovate in the areas of currency. Does anyone remember the presidential dollars? No. These coins, uh, they were they look like uh, the kinds that you'd get in your Easter uh, basket of little gold coins. They're golden, um, mm-hmm. and they were a bit larger than a quarter, and they had each of the presidents on when them. When did these come out? Uh, probably 10 years ago. Oh, I remember wow. Them. Um, yeah, and they're, they're not even that old. Now, these were put out by the Federal Reserve because dollars you'll note i remember the one with the sacagawea on it that was also kind of golden or whatever i I got a little interesting factoid about that one but um let me get back to that the uh the the dollar wasn't notice that the one dollar bill is not shaped or not uh printed like the rest of the bills what do you mean so the five dollar has uh abraham lincoln's head real big right it used to be small but it's real big yeah they never redesigned the one you're right it all started with the 100 and it worked its way down to the five. That's true. But they don't do that with the one because the one isn't going to get a redesign. It Why is not? garbage. Well, think think about what $1. $1 would buy you two candy bars when you were a kid. Yeah, gas not anymore, station, right? Right? Yeah, what's, $1, what's $1, $1 won't one buy you cost? one candy bar now. Right, yeah. The two um, is, is the new worth- one. <laughs> Well, the, the five right. is and a new one. Yeah, yeah, you used to carry $2 bills around. I still do. And give them as tips. I still Well, do. now you give two as tips Yes, because yeah. the, the, the currency is devalued so much. Well, it makes perfectly good sense that um, Americans should adopt a $1 coin because a coin will last much longer than a bill, but they won't do it 
because they don't have to do it. And so the the two sure. things that you pointed out that there will be pressure. Well, there, there was there's pressure to adopt these one dollar presidential coins, but nobody's doing. I it. don't remember any pressure at all. I don't even remember the coins. Well, I'm tell I think that there'll be about the same amount of pressure with the CBDC because the government's really bad at soft oh, pressure. Oh no, dude, no. They're going to they're going to require everybody to I mean, if they don't do this they're they're fools. They're they're going to require everybody on welfare to switch over to yep. the CBDC. Absolutely. And they're going to require anybody to get a tax return. So I think okay? this is going to be fantastic. Well, they should they then they should pull all one dollar bills out of circulation. No, they're gonna do the you reverse. I mean? They're gonna pull the hundreds out of circulation. They're gonna pull the fifties out of circulation. They've already pulled they the thousand dollar bills out of the five hundred dollar bills. Long ago, yeah. Yeah, long time long, ago. Long ago. So I the reason I say I think this is gonna be fantastic, if we look at the C B the introdu- introduction of the C B D C like they pushed the uh, COVID nineteen vaccine on mm-hmm. everybody. Now, <clears throat> I'm not picking on anyone, but Anyone who did not take the COVID-19 vaccine does not regret not taking the COVID-19 vaccine. Pretty much. Much, that's pretty much true, yes. Yeah, it, but, and but, a lot of people who did take it regret it. Yes. Yeah. Um, Some of them are dead at this point. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. So so anyways, the... Uh, and there's good if you if you took the COVID nineteen vaccine, there's some protocols you can find out there. Uh, Naturalnews.com or or not, not maybe that's what it is. Health Ranger Mike Adams, he's had some pretty good write ups on how to like get get that stuff out of your body, how to heal yourself, things you some can do. Some thirty year old bodybuilder just died. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, after he had gotten like four of these vaccines, he ended up regretting it. Apparently, yep. I saw an interview with him where he was talking about how he had his his blood was he tried to have his blood cleaned. Where they like mm-hmm. siphoned the blood out of yep. his body and put it through some kind of process. Yep. Didn't save him. Yep. He's gone. Um so anyway oh yeah, and then like the uh uh the the sperm samples of men who have gotten a vaccine, there's like no living sperm no mm-hmm. actual sperm, it's all like spike proteins. Oh, and by uh, the way, the thirty year old bodybuilder, he said that when they were pulling his blood, they were looking at it and they saw those little white things that you've seen in the what's the video that they, they uh they came out with Died Suddenly, I think was the name of it, okay. the documentary, where they're showing all these crazy things that people are pulling out of their veins that are yep. like blocking their uh, their heart and blocking their blood yep. flow. He saw those so, before he died. So, so anyways, just like, you know, now, uh, you know, and it's going to get a little more, you know, relevant here in the, sh- in the near future. Um, you know, everybody's kind of understanding that there was this massive push to do this vaccine. So people are understanding these vaccines are not safety tested. Um, in fact, there is not a single double-blind placebo test done on any vaccine that is on the child um, vaccine recommendation, which they scare the hell out of moms mm-hmm. with threatening them with social services and DCYF if they don't, you know, vaccinate their kids at the hospital. And, uh, you know, sudden death, death, infant death syndrome didn't really come about until these, you know, they started pushing all these vaccines. But getting back to the CBDCs, so what I'm hopeful for, these CB, CBDCs are going to come out. Then they're going to say, all right, all welfare recipients, all EBT card, now you have to use CBDC. And then what's going to happen is so to Because all, they're going to get all the corporations on board, too. Well, well so, here, so here's what's going to happen. I, I think we're going to say this, this is going to bring on, in America, what we saw in Venezuela a decade ago uh, come about with all the food shortages. 
because <clears throat> what it's really going to come down to is if they're going to force the farmers to accept CBDCs because the grocery stores and the retailers are going to accept these CBDCs, mm-hmm. and then the warehouses are going to accept them, and then the farmers. But the grocery are... stores and the um, warehouses have, to, or the, excuse me, the grocery stores have to accept food stamps currently, right? And they're not making farmers accept food no. stamps, right? But the, so so they're accepting food stamps. And they're trading back, and, and, and those food stamps are represented in, in, in USD and dollars. So That's um, what's getting settled into their bank account. But, right? but, but here's what's really, uh, I think, is going to happen. Now, I don't, I'm not, you know, what I'm saying is a little speculation about, like, going back to the farmers. So, like, these farmers aren't going to accept CBDCs. Well, all the farmers that are selling stuff to Walmart are government-subsidized anyways. So what's gonna, mm-hmm. what is going to happen is the C, what they can do with the CBDCs really easy is they can hyperinflate the crap out of them sure um just and 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 so what's going to happen is because the price so the price of food is going to skyrocket as soon as this as soon as you start giving everyone on welfare these cbdc's to do the food uh and what's going to happen is like so i'm a food producer you're not gonna i'm you're not paying me that Mm-mm. i'm not taking that that you know that evil script um and i don't even want to take dollars from anybody uh, I take a minimal amount of dollars. And so uh, what I believe is going to happen is the CBDC is going to hyperinflate and then the dollar will be sort of like running alongside of it. All these fiats are going to hyperinflate and it's going to um, uh, sort of hopefully collapse this le- legacy system. And the people who will be able to ride out this collapse are the ones that are, you know, have experience trading outside of, you know, the fiat, for example, using cryptocurrency, using mm-hmm. gold back using silver or just using barter barter whatever you do whatever you produce whatever your skill is i'm that that i think we're going to see a lot of that coming back and this is another reason i'm so glad i'm on this land we call new hampshire because there are so many people that i just trade with here and we trade outside the dollar and it's a very very normal thing in fact sometimes like at pork fest for example if you're like oh i want to pay in dollars they'll you know people kind of sort of give you a, you know, a dirty look <laughs> you know they, they want that gold back or that you know bitcoin cash or monero monero is a hot one that's that's the mm-hmm. one a lot of people are like oh pay me a monero uh I've been i noticing. one time at pork fest bought a blowgun from a 10 year old with monero <laughs> Nice. It's <laughs> pretty sweet. So, but getting back to these currency, I think the uh, as I had said earlier, you know, the easiest way to essentially deal with a bad government is right now in history because 200 years ago it it would have been very hard to just ignore, you know, the currency as, you know of of the the world currency which would be the English pound, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. You know, 250 years ago. Yeah. Um today we have that technology. We can just pretty much almost ignore the dollar. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, maybe except for paying property taxes, but if you if the dollar starts getting ignored ignored on a massive level within the United States, which is the last place it's basically being ignored, so with all of these countries joining the BRICS, actually, and one other thing I was thinking too, can New Hampshire just join the BRICS? <laughs> I don't think right? yet. You know, can, can can we do it? Can we just trade directly our gold backs with Vladimir Putin for cheap oil? <laughs> that's what I want to do. Um, You're getting but, ahead of yourself, right, Jay. Right, we, right. Got, <laughs> we got a little but, ways to go on that one. But anyways, if if um, you know the next revolution, I believe is going to be a, a financial revolution, um, mm-hmm. and because uh, that, they're pulling out all the stops to right? to put and, that thing down. They yeah. want to kill uh, cryptocurrency in the cradle, and I think they're yep. a little too late 
on that, but they're they're making it as hard as possible. Um, Aaron Day, in his book, The Final Countdown, does do a really good job of introducing people to these ideas, talking good. about the CBDC, talking about the uh, you know the UN and uh, the IMF and the World Bank, the World Economic Forum, all these big international, big government, world government organizations that are pushing countries towards uh, the CBDC and giving people literally step-by-step instructions on how to protect themselves financially by getting into cryptocurrency, getting into uh, self-custody, precious metals. And I, I got to say, I, I really thought it was a great book. I read the the whole thing. So if you are hearing us talking about and you this, haven't re- and you don't read many books, I don't. So and you're wondering, really- what can I do about this? You know, you, you know, you see the the dark clouds on the horizon. You're wondering, what do, what do I do? You can do this stuff. And he, and he makes it as simple as like, you know, 15 minutes. I mean, it, you can just get cracking on this and within a matter of an hour you've got a little bit more financial independence and the greatest way as the as anyone in the world can exercise dependence i believe is exercising um trade outside of fiat trade Mm -hmm. outside of the dollar of whoever the crown is around you you know so in the u.s trade outside that u.s dollar stop writing checks stop swiping cards stop using venmo stop using you know um all these you know dollar-based apps especially these digital ones because all uh, another thing too is like you know um some a friend of mine comes to buy some you know meat off me one day and she's like uh can i pay you in venmo like no (laughs) why are you doing that you you don't you don't have you know 100 bucks worth of meat you don't have a hundred dollars you know keep a hundred dollars and you oh i got a bank account can i write you a check i'm like no (laughs) and uh i'm like have you not been paying attention to like what i'm about and what i'm what i'm doing and she's like oh not really you know you know so kind of you know yeah and and she's she's good she's actually she's a really great uh, mom she can stack hay her kids are awesome she's just you know but she's learning you know Mm -hmm. it's a learning curve for everyone so uh you know she um uh, and i think that's important is to understand that uh, we were all there one at one point mm-hmm. and that it's easy to get fla- frustrated with people when they aren't where we are in whatever the areas that it's important to us. But everybody just needs education and people learn best from somebody with a good attitude. Yeah, that's true. And it is important to be able to say no and turn somebody down. I, I know Chris Wade was doing this at the Porcupine Freedom Festival where he would come up to a vendor you know, he's hungry. He wants yep. to get some lunch and like, hey, I'd like to get your tacos. Do you take gold backs uh, or cryptocurrency? And they might say no cash only. He would say, I'm sorry. I'd... He, and then turn around and walk away. He he was uh, he was one of the guys that sort of complained in passing to me about not cooking uh, at Porkfest. Well, you year. are a really good cook. So. And uh, well, and, and well, he, his was like, oh, I miss your tacos. And yeah. And he's like, and you'll take gold backs and cryptocurrency, and I don't even have to ask you. I just, I, I, I just, I just, you know, scan your QR code. You got displayed right there. This there was, was a taco do. place that was taking gold backs. Oh, that's good. Well, so. he, he might not have found it, but he just yeah. made that comment to me. You know, so. But there was a taco place that was only doing cash, and that was like, come on, where do you guys? Do you guys know where you are? But yeah, being kind to people is certainly good. But also being willing to put your foot down in a kind manner is also important where you can say no and turn away from a deal. And that kind of thing is what motivates people. Like this lady you're talking about, you're telling her, no, I'm not going to take a check. No, I'm not going to take Venmo. Well, she knows you're good at what you do. She knows that you're whatever it was, whether it's hay or, or, you know, you're working on some sort of construction project or whatever. She knows you're good at it. And she's then going to be motivated to figure out how to get you paid 
because to her, it's worth whatever that extra hoop jumping is, whether it's going and buying some gold backs or acquiring some uh, some cryptocurrency, she might be more likely to do it. Yeah, so she actually, so I gave her I gave her the meat. I said, well, I'll see you later. You know, just pay me next time I see you. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and I was going to take some dollars. I got to spend dollars, you know, pay taxes and buy fuel and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, two days later, she said, uh, oh, I set up a Bitcoin wallet and I bought some Bitcoin. Wow, nice. Um, and uh, and then I sent her a, an address Boom, and she done. sent me money. Yep, yep. perfect. Uh, if you want to join the show here, you can. The number is 603-283-6160. So, you know, we don't know how far away the CBDC is. Uh, there's certainly other countries that are implementing them and have implemented them. There, A lot of them are talking about it. And the United States has done at least three different tests of different CBDC plans and systems. So, like, the gears are turning on this. The only thing they haven't done is actually press the go button on this thing. How many more guns are they going to need to point at people all over the world to make this thing work? It's going to be expensive to make it work, I think. There's more coming up here. Uh, The number is 603-283-6160. Whether you want to comment on Independence Day or whatever is on your mind, secession talks happening in a northern California county. We'll talk about that as well. You can join the show. Number 603-283-6160 here on Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on doing the Free State Project and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live, and happy Independence Day to you, at least as independent as you can be under this oppressive state that we need to get rid of at some point. And I don't mean violence. Violence isn't the solution. I want to see peaceful independence. I want to see peaceful secession. Hopefully that can happen before it all comes crashing down, because at some point... It will likely fail. The uh, No government has lasted forever. No central bank uh, and its currency has lasted forever. No no fiat currency. The U.S. dollar yeah. is essentially, you know, what, uh, like almost 50 years, a little over 50 years old. It was basically the dollar we're using now is, you know, created in 1971. You're talking about when they got rid of the gold standard right. or whatever, right? Uh, so we can come yep. back and talk more about that. It's Ian, Jay, and Mark here with you tonight. Let's go to the phones and to your calls and thoughts, though. We have Skeeter on the line in California. Go ahead, Skeeter. You know, a uh, quick point. I think you guys agree. Uh, government, uh, keep hearing you say government uh, is a monopoly on violence. It's not a monopoly on violence. It's uh, or aggression, really. It's a monopoly on justice is a better way to put it. And it isn't a monopoly per se, right? Um 
And I had another. Point Why would there. it not be so, a monopoly per se? Yeah, who it's else? A cartel. Can administer justice. A cart? No, it's not a cartel either. It does impose like uh, regulations where it raises very entity on some of the industries it enters, like education, for instance. But it's it's not the only provider. You have public roads, public school, uh, private roads, private schools, etc. So okay, it's not but, monopoly per se. But why is it not a monopoly on violence? You do have to pay for those schools that uh, uh, you don't have to send your it, kid to. Sorry, uh, Mark. Go ahead. I got to get in the listening mode. I was, I was like trying to. He said you have to pay for the schools whether you send your kids to them or not. Yeah, but uh, it still doesn't remove like the, the private schools, which are competition, which would not would technically not make it a monopoly. They still have to compete in the in the private uh, versus the private sector in education. Similar with other things they provide. Okay, but uh, your like original the, claim was that it's not a monopoly on violence per se. So can you explain that? No, uh, I said it's, an, it's a, a better way to put it is uh, it's unfair just to say it's kind of like um, an over cynically way to put it. Uh, well, that's what I Barack always, Obama said. We're just quoting uh, him. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what he said. I mean, he's telling the truth. But, uh, you know, I okay, mean, you haven't why, actually why given me you... any reason why it's not a monopoly on violence. I'm still waiting for that. No, I, I, uh, I said uh, I clarified. I said a better way to put it is a, it's a monopoly on justice, which is a better characterization of the monopoly service it provides. Right. No, it does. No, uh, it, protect, it, it uh, forces you probably shouldn't that. use the term justice to describe something that's not justice. Maybe we should use the term arbitration. That's... That's subjective because, uh, again, uh, we disagree on what justice is. Well, there is private arbitration so, out there, Mark. You can go through, you know, a lot of. Well, I contracts. would argue that justice is, in fact, a thing. That that justice is a you know a a decision made by an arbitrator, and that something that is not that is not justice, right? Like you can call yourself the Department of Justice. But justice is only one decision made between two parties. And, you know, we probably fall short in that in most cases. But the closer you get, the, the closer you are to justice. In the same way that truth is truth, justice is justice. Well, obviously, anyone out there can do violence. So they don't actually have a monopoly on violence. I guess you could say that in that anyone out there can but hurt They decide hurt which else. violence is acceptable and which is not. And that's what a monopoly does. But, a monopoly says, look, you're over there selling drugs. We're going to send the cops to go get you. I mean, Big Pharma doesn't have a monopoly on drug sales. It just doesn't go to prison when it does. Yeah, that's that's I think the important point is what they have is the ability to commit aggressive violence against other people and get away with it and have most people just say that's fine. That's what they're there for. There, that's what they're supposed to do. And it's called but qualified immunity. Why they do that? There's some uh admirable some admirable reason. I'm not saying everything they provide is admirable. But and and also well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they're doing something good with their violently attained booty. You know, they, they get uh, wealth through the violence that they threaten against people. What, and if they actually do something helpful to someone with that, it still means that the means to that end were uh, were inappropriate. Now we know that from your previous call, Skeeter, you've described yourself as a utilitarian. So obviously, mm-hmm. as a utilitarian, you don't really care if uh, somebody uses violence as long as it goes to an end that you support, right? As long as there's no other better alternative, yeah. But if you present yeah. two so alternatives, so you're basically one, a monster. I mean, you're basically somebody who is a complete antisocial psychopath who is willing to I use violence you, against think, people. I think you. I think to you're achieve the your same. ends. 
Huh? So uh, uh, until we, I'm not willing to use violence that, uh, against people, peaceful people. I'm not willing to aggress well, against your my neighbors. Of mo- well, your definition of monster is subjective. Absolutely, it is. Thanks for the call. The number here is six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. We go to Ricky in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Ian, I had to follow Skeeter. Nonetheless, today is Independence Day, and. You know, one point I will make before I go into my two parallel stories. Yes, two men did die today. One man I'm briefly going to mention. Yes, John Adams, but he was a Federalist. So I'm not going to say much about him. But also Thomas Jefferson. Now, him I'm going to say plenty of tonight. I am a Jeffersonian since I was little growing up, and it's been a big influence on me at any given time. Now, here's the first story, and there's some really interesting parallels between the two of these. Jefferson was a man that was obsessed with written and unwritten constitutionality. Plus, he also did embrace the no-harm theory now known as the non-aggression principles. Now, here's the story. It was an ongoing problem when he was president uh, with the Tripoli Pirates. Now, uh, what happened is uh, the Tripoli Pirates grabbed a bunch of our men. They were holding them for ransom, and Jefferson sat out the Navy hit uh, the Tripoli Pirates hard and got back our men. Now, what happened is, right afterwards, a media man of the time went to Jefferson. So, Mr. President, you know, how did you arrive uh, at your uh, decision to do this? He said, well, when carefully evaluating the situation and my options, I realized there was only two. First option, I disregarded because there was no guarantee. Second option uh, uh, is the one, obviously, that I chose. Now, what happened is the man said, well, Mr. Mr. President, I'm glad you got the men back. Seems like things don't change. He says, did you not commit an unconstitutional act? Here's what Jefferson said. He said back to me, he said, yes, I did. But I've learned there are exceptions the constitutionality. Now, here's the parallel story 200 years later. This one, some of the details, maybe you guys can help me with because it's from memory. Uh, since, since you mentioned it, under Barack Obama, there was a situation. This lasted the better part of a week. And I forget who it was, but somebody was holding uh, men and women of ours and, uh, for ransom, military for ransom. Now, it started out Right away, the media is all over this because of modern times. And so the American people cross-country were involved in this. And right away, uh, they won the ransom. And Brock said, I think that would be a poor idea because people are cross-country saying, pay it, pay it, get back our money. saying, I think that would be a poor idea. Towards the end of the week, he made a comment. I believe he said, I'm the president. It's my decision, my responsibility. Once again, there's more pressure. By the end of the week, he had clearance, I guess, from Congress, and he paid these people. And wow, they paid they terrorists? Uh, that's yes, and even well, here's supposed happened. to do that. Unfortunately, he listened. He listened to the American people. Now, Barack knew better because he's big into Jefferson. He knew this story, so he paid them anyways and listened to the American people. I mean, it was loud with cross country all week. They were on him. He paid them. They immediately killed him. Now, okay. there's some really interesting parallels here. 
And this is, I think, interesting up for discussion, you know? I have no clue what this situation was that you're referring to. So I know that there was that one reporter that we reported on for a long time uh, who probably just ended up dead at some point. But you're talking about the ISIS guy? guy? No, it had nothing yeah. to do with that. Mm-hmm. This is why I don't have the internet. But I, I do distinctively remember this situation. And uh, I wish I could remember who it was that holds the ransom. But the thing is, my point is, there is exception to constitutionality. Who would but be also, besides ISIS? Huh? I mean, who's, hold, who's holding U.S. military assets for ransom besides a Muslim extremist group? It was definitely a terrorist uh, organization. But terrorist doesn't mean uh, Muslim, but okay. It was somebody that was a terrorist, obviously, for what they're doing. But my observation Probably wasn't here the IRA. Is, CIA well, the thing here that I find the most interesting, Mark, <laughs> is that for a week, the American people spoke loudly on this. Now, he'd listen to them, but they were wrong. I think that's a really interesting point. Now, okay. you know, I believe people there can was, according themselves. to uh, just a quick search here in uh, 2016, there was a uh, report from the Jacksonville, Florida Times Union, or rather the Associated Press, uh, that the Obama administration made a $400 million cash payment oh. to Iran seven months prior that was contingent upon the release of a group of American prisoners. Perhaps that was, now, was that, uh, the issue. I, I think that, that was money like, that was seized from Iran um, originally, wasn't it? Yeah, that's it? not it. I got to find the story, but it is a true story. It was apparently yeah, originally Iranian but money. The, but the interesting point I'm looking at is this went on for a week, I promise you. I remember the media coverage. But the American people made this poor choice. They didn't know this story about Jefferson. I mean, Brock did, but they didn't. You know, I think that says a lot. I think it says a lot of where people's heads are at. You know, the American people were wrong. You know, I hate to admit it. And men and women died as a result. um, I guess my question would be is what makes you think that the crowd would be right? Well, I mean, of course, I mean, I, I mean, I think this is a bearing on now because people, people today don't look at history. They don't look at the past. People they today are the, the same moment. as people have always been. They're just a little better informed than they were before. Some of um, I mean, I think about the jury in Ian's case. This mm-hmm. is, to me, a really great example of why in the world the idea that somehow the wisdom of crowds is going to uh, make a great decision. It, it, it's just, it's ludicrous. Yeah, there really isn't well, much wisdom. Uh, democracy to- sucks. It sucks at large scale. It sucks at uh, small scale. Apparently, by the way, Ricky, they sent, uh, according to Fortune magazine, in an, a subsequent article that came out in November of 2016, after paying the $400 million to Iran, after four hostages were apparently released, the U.S. sent another $1.3 billion to Iran after that. So whether or not that was the original story you were referring to, it is pretty outrageous. Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate it. The number here is 603-283-6160. Of course, you can bring up anything you want. We were talking about people who don't really want to celebrate Independence Day. They're uh, They're getting kind of burned on the idea that uh, patriotism is some sort of rational thing to be involved with. A survey by YouGov, according to the New York Times, found that 56% of American adults 
uh, plan to join in the Independence Day festivities this year. So, you know, it's uh, just barely a majority of Americans that are participating in celebrating Independence Day. They give some more examples of some left-leaning people like Marissa Vivori, a 29-year-old tech product manager in Manhattan, remembers the last time she celebrated the 4th of July a few summers ago. She was going to the Hamptons, she said, on the most packed Long Island Railroad train she'd ever been on. She said, I didn't get a seat and I was standing in the aisle. The toilet overflowed and we all had to hold our bags. She says she never realized she never loved the holiday she said, I remember even as a kid feeling bad for the animals during the fireworks. Logistically celebrating in New York City poses challenges. She says, you're either in Manhattan and it's super hot and you're figuring out where you want to watch the fireworks or you're trying to leave to go to the Jersey Shore of the Hamptons and it's a fortune and overcrowded. She also has political qualms now with the holidays saying that last summer Roe versus Wade was overturned and that really made me <laughs> less inclined to celebrate. Uh, animals and fireworks. So one of my friends, all of his cows got out the other day because they blew off some fireworks. Oh, and I'm like, I'm like, you need to blow off fireworks a lot more so your cows are used, used to, to it. it. Uh, not just do it when it's dark all of a sudden and some fireworks go off. And they knock a fence over and, and just uh, they just run ran through it. a fence or running around. He he was able to get them all rounded up by um, uh, the next morning. But uh, uh, anyways, so I got the gun range in my place, and we have a gun church event. You know, once in a while, once a month. Uh, we haven't been doing it much lately because we've been too busy. But my guns are used to bang. My, my cows are used to bang. So when my neighbors mm-hmm. were, you know, I don't know. I think somebody was somebody was doing some big fireworks works next to me uh, last night and the mm-hmm. night before, and like my cows just like picked up their heads and looked in that direction. No biggie. Went, and they just went back to eating yeah. hay. Uh, <laughs> They're not shooting at us. We're fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and one more thing i wanted to say if you can hear the shot you're you, you lived yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing i want to say mark you had uh mentioned so, uh, something a few minutes ago about uh the voters haven't changed or the people haven't changed since then um <clears throat> i uh i kind of think uh our culture has changed a real lot i believe t- today okay. people people very much lack wisdom uh that they had you know, 200 years ago, they, uh, and they also lack confidence. So, you know, 200 years ago, for example, you know, every 12 year old needed to know how to fit a harness correctly to a horse or to an ox. They knew how to, you know, check the lubrication on the wheel bearings and check the tension of the wheel bearings or, or, or the end play on their wagon. Now they know how to boot up the Nintendo switch. Uh, you know, (laughs) that's about it. 75, 80 years ago, Every young man and woman, and this is what I had a conversation with with my, you know, 70-year-old aunt uh, this weekend. Um, my aunt says, oh, sure. When I was 17 years old, I had a car. She goes, you, you, you know I knew how to change a tire, and I knew how to um, replace the points. She goes, I would take a fingernail file and have to clean the points once in a while. She knew how to remove the spark plugs from her car and clean them and put them back in hmm. because cars needed lots of maintenance. They weren't super reliable. Um, and even like all the things that we're teaching, uh, at my place, all the kids, like with planting seeds and picking weeds and hauling those weeds to the cows and feeding the cows and, you know, collecting the chicken eggs and feeding the chickens and just, uh, cleaning the chicken coop. Like none of those skills are necessary today to, you know, uh, to, to basically live a normal life because you can just take what you like. If you're an accountant, you just use that, you know, accounting 
you know, skill that you have, the number crunching skill, or you're some kind of pencil pusher, you go to work in your cubicle or you zoom to work. I mean, it's getting to the point where you don't even really need a car anymore. Even in rural America, everything can be delivered to you and you don't mm. even need to go to work. Um, but it, so it's gotten to the point today where like, you know, uh, a lot of people, especially the radical leftists, um, very much lack wisdom because to, you don't have to have any wisdom to survive and have a good life right here now in America. All, all you need That's to do true. is go to college, listen to the, um, to the guidance counselors and the, and they will you just live on welfare like it, Sarah. The, and, well, they can, you know, you can go get your parasite job, you know, that you got, went to college for and. And as long as you're working for the government, your college loans will either be deferred or they'll be maybe even paid for. You know, a lot of people, a lot, a lot of uh, people go into the military just so they can get their college college debt taken care of or at least deferred, so they don't have to pay for it. I've know so many people have done that, but yeah, there's definitely a big lack of wisdom um, in people who d- didn't learn like how to work as a young kid. I believe, mm-hmm. and, like haven't had to actually work for themselves. Like one of the guys I really want to uh, debate next time around, I run for state rep is this Tony Kaplan. Um, Who is he's, that? He's a state representative for uh, Henniker, New Hampshire. The current state, current okay. guy. Yep, and Democrat. Um, Democrat. You know, he basically career parasite. You know, he worked in you know school mm. systems. You know, pretty much his entire life. But the guy just like very much lacks wisdom, um, a- as all do these leftists, and uh, and 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 it's very clear to me uh, the, the wisdom is just not there, or they're lying. It's one or the other. So mm. we'll give him a benefit of doubt and just say, well, he's kind of ignorant. He, he lacks wisdom. But <clears throat> um, and they just have a bunch of followers, a bunch of cult members, best I can tell. You know, like he, you know, even, you know, not even a year ago, he's all like, oh, yeah, this vaccine thing, you know, um, has to happen. Everybody needs to be va- mandated to be vaccinated. And, you know, he's you know still on that. And he voted for like, you know, all these like horrible things that, you know, basically only someone incompetent or who lacks wisdom uh, or is evil, you know, would support. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we have a lot of that going on now. We have a lot of people who are have gray hair in their, in gray hair, and they don't really have any skills. They've never really done any actual real work. Like, you know, if they, um, you know, if, if, if they had to hack it, you know, a hundred years ago, they wouldn't have, you know, made, have made it. it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you want to comment here, the number is 603-283-6160. They give a few more examples of people like uh, Connor Miskowick, a 28-year-old content creator in Phoenix. He decided to do a video series in which he asked strangers if they were going to be celebrating Independence Day. He said, I got everything from America's the greatest country in the world. We have to celebrate the American dream all the way to this country has a lot to work on and America isn't so free. And I don't feel like celebrating. He said, I honestly didn't expect to get the variety of answers that I got. He says, I think a I lot wonder of- if they're going to work. The people answering the question, you mean? Yeah, I mean, if you're not going to be celebrating, I'm just I'm just kind of wondering, you know, mm-hmm. like if you're you got your nine to five job and you've decided, well, I'm not going to celebrate. Yeah. Aren't you kind of celebrating by not going to work? I don't know. I mean, do, do a lot of jobs not happen today or a lot of people taking time off? I mean, I would think retail almost every job will let you work for eight hours for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is. Uh, so so locally, the one I went to a hardware store this morning, I needed to get a spring. They're closed. Um, you know, I've kind of thought the hardware store would be like a, you know, it's like a big deal. Fourth of July where, you know, getting things sold, you know, I don't know. They were open last year on the fourth of July, huh. but also like, well, I think what a lot, another thing we're going to start seeing, especially like here in New Hampshire is we're going to start seeing a lot of these places, 
especially the small mom and pop shops. I think we're going to see a lot of them not even open on the weekends uh, pretty soon because it's just getting so hard for these guys to find to staff. Find staff. I know there's a local auto parts store I deal with, and they were like, "Yeah, the manager doesn't want to work on Saturday or Sunday anymore. We only got one manager, so we're Jeez. we're probably going to close the store." Well, I mean, that guy wants to hang out with his kids. He wants mm-hmm. to do stuff, and and he's and and he's in a position where he's like, "Hey." You're gonna have to close the store Saturday, or you're gonna have to fire me and find someone else. And well, they can't they find know someone they can't else. Can't do that, right? Like this guy's been there for 20, 20 years, and mm-hmm. he like knows everything. He sets and, the rules, and uh, he well, he just has that kind of pull. Yeah. I, in fact, I hope I influenced him because I was like, he was complaining about having to work so many hours. I'm like, what are they gonna do? Fire you? Mm-hmm. They'll never replace you. And he's like, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you want to comment here, eight six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. Let's bring Sarah in. Uh, she's in New Mexico. Speaking of someone living on welfare, here she is. Go ahead, Sarah. Well, yeah. Are you celebrating today? Are you celebrating gonna... Independence Day? Well, you know, I I hate I hate Fourth of July. Really? The the all the the so called legal fireworks it always turns into illegal fireworks. Oh, okay. I want to hear yeah, more about then... it here. Hang on, Sarah. We're going to bring you back for that discussion. She doesn't like it when people violate the fireworks laws, whatever they are there in New Mexico, where she's calling from. 603-283-6160. You can join the show and you can bring up whatever you want to discuss here on Free Talk Live. We got more coming up. freetalklive.com and enjoy the features there also free talk live this hour is brought to you by dash it's digital cash we were talking earlier about you know protecting yourself from the potential of the cbdc the central bank digital currency that the federal government probably is going to try to shove down people's throats at some point it's not official yet but it's uh it's likely in the plans certainly it's happening in other parts of the world there's a big push towards these ideas because it empowers the central bank even further to inflate the money supply uh, much easier than they already can. And so what do you do about that? Well, as uh, presidential candidate Aaron Day was telling us about over the weekend, if you missed that interview, you can grab the Saturday night show over at archives.freetalklive.com or at video.freetalklive.com. you got to do self-custody cryptocurrency, self-custody uh, precious metals. You've got to take some of your value Get it out of the dollar and put it into something that actually could hold value into the future. And it helps if you, when you're getting into cryptocurrency, it helps if you actually get into cryptos you can spend. And that is one of the things that Dash is all about. Dash is digital cash. It's a crypto designed around the idea of spending. And not many cryptos are focused on this at all. Uh, Most of them are just, oh, here's a cool tech idea. Maybe number will go up. In the case of Dash, they've made, a, they've made a point of focusing on this, and they are undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace because of some of their really cool uh, features like the fact that Dash transactions are protected from the dreaded 51% attack by their chain locks technology. Dash transactions are irreversible. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, and it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies out there. 
And it's widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. And it's also really affordable right now. I think one Dash is like 35 36 bucks or something like that. It's easy to get. It's easy to use Dash. You can start by learning more at Dash.org. And big thanks to the Dash DAO, their decentralized autonomous organization, for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. You can visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. And that is Dash.org. We go back to Sarah in New Mexico. Sarah, you were saying you're upset at people setting off fireworks because you say that legal fireworks give way to illegal fireworks. What exactly do you mean by that? Well, the thing is that the legal fireworks is like for little kids and it's no fun. And it's right. uh, they have to, you know, let's say you tell somebody not to do it. They're going to go out and do it even more. <laughs> and so, I, and yeah, I can you, relate. Right. And then it's usually the minors, right? There's uh, like maybe... 15, 16, or they're under 18, so that there's no penalties for mm. them if they set somebody's roof on fire. You know, they shoot off an illegal firework. How are they getting these roof. illegal fireworks? I have no idea where where they're going to get it, but what I like about our HAO is there's no fireworks at all in our little HAO. What is that, a homeowner's so association? Thankful. That's correct. Uh-huh. So we don't allow, you know, legal, illegal. So no fun whatsoever is allowed in your neighborhood. Well, you can have fun in the balloon park or whatever. They're going to do the fireworks. But not around here. We we just don't want our houses to be caught on fire. Mm. And, and, you know, kids, uh, you know, if you're walking by, these kids are, what is it? All of these things are, they pop and crack and they can hurt people. Even the legal fireworks, you could get burned and and so forth. I just don't like it. And plus, over here, they love to shoot off guns on top of it, like uh, <laughs> well, 4th of July. This is, uh, this is highly dangerous. If somebody shoots a gun in the air, that bullet does come down. Yeah, and that bullet yeah, is, is deadly when it does. And I did look it yeah. up as Sarah was rambling on here. Um, there, in fact, was a house in uh, Kansas, which, East Wichita, that was burned down because of uh, fireworks. Sarah, here's what I'd say is, is that I completely support you and your homeowners association choosing to um, not, you know, shoot off fireworks. However, I don't think that the whole world should not have fireworks because some people don't like it. Right. Like the, uh, the you know, the one lady doesn't like it in the homeowners association or the little old lady's dog doesn't like it or whatever the reasons are is fireworks is something fun and people want to do fun things well the good news is according to uh reader's digest article at rd.com they made one of those handy little maps that shows by color what the different regulations are out there and it looks like uh, new mexico does permit a majority of consumer fireworks so if there are some that are illegal it is a very very small number because uh, this is the most one of the most free statuses, I guess. Uh, so does New Hampshire. The only state, Jay, that has a total ban on consumer fireworks is Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How's I, it going? I, well, I, is nobody in Massachusetts sh- setting off fireworks? Because well, I'll bet that it's just going pow, pow, pow all day. Last year, uh, there was a video that uh, came across. I don't know where I saw it. Somebody's show or something, but... Um, on YouTube, but it, you know, so LA, Los Angeles, you know, mm-hmm. it's supposed to be like a fireworks ban. 
Um, I don't know if that shows up on your map. On your map, there, uh, California is uh, somewhat more restrictive. They permit non-aerial and non-explosive fireworks, so only the little kitty stuff. In so, anyways, the yeah, so sprinklers, uh, spr- sparklers. sparklers are illegal in Massachusetts. Um, <laughs> it could be. I don't know if it's a full out, right? I mean, it says all consumer fireworks are banned in oh, Massachusetts. Yeah, okay. So, anyways. Um, <laughs> Because I had a bunch of those in my truck the other day when I went down there. I didn't even know they were there until I got... Criminal. (laughs) Criminal act. So anyways, um, I bought them from a seven-year-old at Porkfest, Sparklers. (laughs) And I was letting my three-year-old play with them. She was having a blast. But anyways, uh, uh, so there's a video of like L.A. It was like a drone footage. And it was a 4th of July or, or something. And just everywhere in the entire you know this is like a big chunk of the city just mm-hmm. fireworks you know the illegal type, illegal fireworks just yeah. going off everywhere nice. uh so i thought that was pretty good like and also it. like, like this homeowner association thing my mom's got a house at a homeowner association place mm-hmm. i you know i can't i i, I would not be Couldn't able to live, live like that in yeah, a homeowner association no. but the thing is is that's kind of what's available for a lot of new development because there's a lot of uh agenda 21 money i'm going to call it mm-hmm. Um, so I've, we did some researches on some research on somebody's like Colorado and you know California, um, you know developments. And what happens? You have the United Nations literally giving like a few million dollars to the developer or the contractor hmm. to basically write into the deed that there will be these regulations. And what do they call a convent community? Oh, um, wow. I think because there's all these restrictions and stuff. But like covenant, covenant, yeah, yeah, yeah covenant yeah. Commu- community. Um, and a lot of that comes right out of the uh, UN, United Nations, oh, and they give money to the uh, developers and the uh, cities and the towns to like do all this UN type homeowner association nonsense. Well, where- Sarah, enjoy your boring, uh, you know, Independence Day. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Matthew. You're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind tonight, Matthew? Yeah, I was just calling because you were talking about the the articles about people not celebrating uh, Independence Day, and I, I think that a lot of that is driven by. Um, the agenda for the the people in the media that, that work on the left wing, because you, you never hear stories like that um, when uh, they only make stories like that when they don't have control of the, the political machine. And so when they have an electoral setback, they try to use that as a way to, to bring that back. I mean, you never hear like when Roe versus Wade got repealed, they didn't have stories about that. When, when you've got Waco and Ruby Ridge, no one said I'm not celebrating because the government is murdering people or like when Obama murdered, a 16-year-old American citizen in Yemen because he was visiting his father. No one was like, I'm mm. not going to celebrate Independence Day. I mean, I, I yeah. live in, in uh, Seattle, Washington, and there are people that have been setting off fireworks for the past three days, um, like the liberal Mecca, and, and fireworks are banned here. Wow. And there's a wildfire risk, and people are still doing it. So I, I think that it's just people that— Well, you let me know when they're setting off fireworks in Portland. Then we'll know that America is truly patriotic. <laughs> Well, I, I, I think that, like, I mean, the, Portland certainly got a lion's share of the media attention, but Seattle was where they were assaulting federal buildings. I remember watching protest streams in 2020 where um, the, I think that the protests were just as heavy uh, heavy in Seattle. Portland just gets I'm only teasing you. That's okay. <laughs> I, I have a theory why there was— I agree with you. Everything you've said completely, that's why I'm teasing you. <laughs> I, I have a theory, a little digression here on, on ex- quite exactly why uh, a whole bunch of people were burning down their own neighborhoods, essentially. Um, first off, these a lot of these people in cities that are young, have you know, they, their brains were developed uh, under influence of an Internet device. And second, there was uh, probably a whole bunch of agent provocateurs that, you know, are able to, um, you know, 
uh, via the internet and, and chat groups and Facebook pages to sort of, you know, get people riled up and, you know, and of course they're working with the algorithm. So, you know, if, uh, if anyone knows who's um, going to follow the, uh, you know, the directions of an agent provocateur, uh, the algorithm knows, Facebook knows, you know, Google knows. This is the purpose of these algorithms to figure out who, who can be an agent provocateur, who can follow along, who can do this stuff. Uh, and then, of course, we have agent provocateurs and, you know, whoever, CIA, whatever, you know, George Soros influencer, like, um, yeah, let's uh, get together and go do this. Black Lives Matter, you know, Antifa, you know, whatever. So I think that um, that's sort of my theory right there is you get a bunch of algorithmic slaves who are going to do what the algorithm says. And they're just going to follow, you know, these people that the algorithm promotes is to look up to or, 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 or the guys that are like, you know, oh, I recognize you from, uh, you know, the uh, BLM chat, you know, you're cool. I'm going to follow you. And then let's start throwing Molotov cocktails or whatever. Start burning <laughs> buildings down. I mean, but when you got a whole bunch of people that their whole life, they've been told that, hey, well, the white people have been oppressing you. And then you got white people are like, hey, I'm really sorry that we've been oppressing you. I'm going to join you guys and, you know, burning down a neighborhood. Um, <clears throat> just, you know, we just got a lot of people that just can't think for themselves right now. They can't do logic and reasoning, mostly because the internet rewired their brain when they were young. No, well, I mean, government school probably helped a lot with that. Well, it, that helps too, but like, yeah. you, you know, you're, there's going to be a lot more of these people voting this time around, you know, that mm-hmm. have been rewired by the internet. So, you know, probably whoever the algorithm tells them to vote for is going to be president, well, which will be interesting. It won't matter anyway. I mean, whoever, right. you know, <laughs> it doesn't matter who well, wins. I, Go ahead, Matthew. I think that, I think the algorithm aside, I, I think that Jay brings up a good point about the uh, when you think about, like, in the summer of 2020, when you had guys like Unicorn Riot and all these streamers, everything was live broadcast to the Internet. And, mm-hmm. and then when people started to, they thought that that was going to help win them over. And then what happened is that the streamers started, like, you would go to protest, and if you were trying to stream the content, the protesters would actually block your camera, um, mm-hmm. and, and they would start to shut you down because they realized that they, they thought that they had the, the people on their sides and most reasonable people were like, this is ridiculous. Like you can't, you can't just go out and burn down buildings and, and in some cases shoot people in the street um, and, and think that that's okay. And it's going to win people to your side. So I, I, I think that um, the, the algorithm certainly drives things. I, I, I don't know if I'm hundred percent on board with the internet connected devices thing, but I, I certainly think that there are a lot of people that are overplaying their hands. I'm thinking that people are going to go along with some of this, uh, some of this violence um, in order to enact people's um, political change. Thank you, Matthew, for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Let's talk to Dave Ridley on the line, calling us from, I think, New Hampshire. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. Yes, yes, calling from New Hampshire. Happy um, Secession the, uh, Day, Dave. Welcome. Oh, yeah, really. So uh, I had a question for you with regard to um, – uh, you guys may broadcast the list of things that people can do for ARIA. Sure. Yeah, we've talked about, uh, I mean, Aria, by the way, now uh, one week behind bars in, uh, well, I guess technically not behind bars. She's at a minimum security camp. So there's not even, uh, there's not even like a fence at this particular facility, but she is forced to stay there against her will. Uh, One week in captivity, I guess would be the appropriate way to say it, uh, in the federal government prison system in uh, a, what they call a medical facility down in Massachusetts. And I think it's called Devons, Massachusetts. If you go to ariademezzo.com, you'll find a pinned post there to the top of her blog that has information about how to send her mail, how to contribute to her commissary account, 
and there was a link there on uh, on how to send her books. But we have, I think, the, I think the link is still active. But the uh, the book list that she had posted, she's actually taken offline temporarily because she's had such an influx of books. She actually has too many books at the at the moment. They're they're piling well, she up. She wants books on chess, is what she's saying right now. She did say that. She did put a request out on uh, her Twitter account today, asking for books uh, on how to play chess better. She's a good chess player, but she's getting killed by some guy uh, who she's been playing in there. So she wants to. That'll uh, make her better. Yeah, she wants to bone up on some uh, some techniques apparently. So she did request some books on chess. You'll find her prisoner number there at ariademezzo.com and links to instructions on how to send stuff can you spell you might want to use uh, one of the search engines to determine how to spell aria demezzo because radio isn't the best place yeah it's a-r-i-a-d-i-m-e-z-z-o aria demezzo.com makes you wonder if she just didn't pick the last name smith <laughs> doesn't have the same ring to it i don't think uh so what else uh ridley anything else you wanted to share that was it. I was just curious. I, knew, I saw a post and it didn't have the information I was looking for in it. But ariademezzo.com does have it, I see. It, it does. Sounds like, and uh, it has the address to, that I can send mail to. It should have everything you need there. Yeah, there's links yep. uh, that you can link over to the uh, the federal sites and get all that and stuff. And you can also, if you want to send money to the commissary, there's several. There's a three ways to do that. Um, I'll be doing it, but I can't do it from here. So. Okay. Yeah, and for the listeners who don't know, as she was one of your co-hosts arrested on cryptocurrency-related charges. That is correct. You can learn more about that at thecrypto6.com. Uh, any other comments on uh, independence here on Independence Day, Ridley? Oh, uh, nhexit.us. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. Since we're talking a little bit about independence, I know, Mark, you want to talk about federal gun possession for felons. We can get into that uh, coming up here. But the story I mentioned last night, which is uh, California, there's another group of people there talking about creating another state, breaking away from California. This is in the apparently the northern part of California, the story coming out of the Sacramento Bee and when considering the possibility of a 51st state, places like D.C. and Puerto Rico are likely some of the first to spring to mind. But what about a sparser alternative nestled between California and Nevada with prime views of Lake Tahoe's southern shore? A new proposal put forth by a resident and supported by at least one former county leader would have El Dorado County secede from California and become its own state. The idea is being spearheaded by county resident Sharon Durst, who spoke alongside former county supervisor Ray Nutting, an unfortunate last name, at a community meeting last month. The Mountain Democrat newspaper reported Durst also laid out the case for secession in a more than 7,000-word post published May 26th on the platform Substack. She wrote, quote, El Dorado relies mostly on its income from tourism and on the unhappy people from Sacramento, the Bay Area, and Los Angeles buying residential and second homes away from the crime-ridden metropolitan areas. She said further, the people of El Dorado County want their former livelihoods restored and their rural way of life respected. Even without its geographical major economic drivers, the people of the county are economically resilient and self-sustaining. The post opens with sentences mirroring the Declaration of Independence and makes clear that the proposal is to secede from California and become an independent U.S. state rather than secede from the United States. The new state would be known as the Republic for El Dorado State. A bit of a mouthful. Uh, is the co the county secession plan legal? 
Durst argues the case for secession based on Article 4, Section 3 of the Constitution, which reads, quote, Congress shall have the power to dispose of and make all needful rules and regulations respecting the territory or other property belonging to the United States, and nothing in this Constitution shall be so construed as to prejudice any claims of the U.S. or of any particular state. She said in her Substack post uh, that El Dorado County is other property under the power of Congress, not the California legislature, and that this language opens the door for the jurisdiction to divorce itself from the Golden State. So it sounds like she's saying that she doesn't have to ask or that El Dorado County doesn't have to ask permission from the state of California to leave. It sounds like that's the argument she's making. I would agree that it does not have to ask. uh, I'm no constitutional scholar, but I would say it would not have to ask California, that it would simply have to ask the United States government. The United States government spoke California into existence, and it could speak El Dorado, the state of El Dorado, into existence, too. Well, I, I would think that it would be an easier political ploy to become part of Nevada um, than it would be, which they are directly adjacent to, if that's what they wanted to do. They're up there by Tahoe, which is all you have to do. is If you think state government matters, all you have to do, it doesn't matter. Just go to Tahoe and look at the difference between the Nevada side and the California side. It just... As soon as that state line hits, nobody wants – there's no businesses there mm. because nobody's going to go to your grocery store in California and pay when they can the go money. to the grocery store in Nevada or wherever. Mm. Have you, so I take it you've been up there? Oh, yeah. You've seen this? place. Um, even, even the uh, the dark specter of socialism that hangs over California cannot dim beautiful Tahoe. Uh, The article here does point out that immediately preceding Article 4, Section 3 that she cited in her essay, it does say that, quote, no new state shall be formed or erected within the jurisdiction of any other state, unquote, without the consent of the involved state legislature as well as Congress. So here's how I go about that. What evidence does does the entity calling itself State of California have that they have jurisdiction over this tract of land, this piece of dirt called mm-hmm. El Dorado County. Because the state of California, all it is is just a piece of paper in a filing cabinet. It's just a legal fiction. So how do they get jurisdiction over that land? I how think they there? would say they have uh, men with guns who will come in there and Good. enforce that jurisdiction. Because that that's the only way any of these places have jurisdiction. Yeah. Uh, but for them to you know present the evidence that they rely on, that they have, you know, jurisdiction over this tract of land, you know, over these people. How do these people become subject to the state of California, this legal fiction? And uh, also there is, you know, how did West Virginia become a state? Because it was part of Virginia at one time, mm-hmm. from what I understand. It it, and, and it became West Virginia. So I am sure, based on West Virginia existing. This can happen. Um, that this yeah. can happen. And it should happen. Yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see you know if these guys get any traction. There's a lot of these movements, uh, especially on the West Coast. There's the Greater Idaho movement that's been going on now, which is the idea of trying to get the eastern Oregon counties to join Idaho, to essentially secede from Oregon and uh, become part of the state of Idaho, essentially extending Idaho out to the West and a lot of the Idaho or sorry, a lot of the Oregon eastern counties have actually put a question on the ballot and have voted in favor of having their uh, whatever you call the town 
councilmen or whatever or the or the county commissioners actually do something to move in this direction. So and there's a movement for this. What I think in El Dorado County could happen is if you get somebody with some cojones to, to be the sheriff in that county, you know, that sheriff literally has the ability to um, basically say, oh, state enforcement agencies, you can't be here. Federal enforcement agencies, you can't be here. Kick, mm-hmm. kick all the problematic agencies out of El Dorado County. Kick out the health and human services. Kick out the... Um, you know all this stuff. I mean, the the um, what if there was a, a country that had no welfare, right? Uh, 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 when I say a country, I, each individual state in this federation called the United States are individual nation states. They're countries. But what if there was a nation state like this El Dorado? And let's say they just don't do a welfare system. There's no welfare. Guess what? You're not going to have if you if nobody is able to swipe their EBT card or use their EBT card in that state. You know that's federal or whatever. Um, you're not going to have drug encampments. That's what you're not going to have. You're mm-hmm. not going to have a whole bunch of people doing drugs. Because I know of a couple different types of people who are drug addicts. Uh, the ones that are on Kensington Street, you know, in Philadelphia or down here under the bridge in Manchester, you know, begging on the side of the road. Um, it doesn't get quite as bad in New Hampshire because if you become a drug addict that starts stealing stuff, uh, like shot. That, that one gets <laughs> shot. So there really isn't that particular, you know, thug, you know, thieving drug addict in New Hampshire. Yeah. They're just all government subsidized drug addicts. And then you have the other drug addicts that are people who work. So I know plenty of people that are like alcoholics mm-hmm. that are They're holding down um, a job. You know, uh, I know people I know. I mean, there are paving companies paving the side of the road that have a bunch of employees that work for them that are all on heroin, driving the mm-hmm. paver, driving the skid steer, you know, <laughs> driving these dump trucks. You know, they got a CDL. They the, you're uh, the, you know, uh, THC doesn't show up in your urine test if you're high on heroin. Um, so like, that's like, you know, what, what a lot of these guys do and, uh, they want to, they want to do their drugs. So they get up and go to work every day because they know if they go and oh, try yeah. to steal, they're going to end up dead. Yep. And, um, and they also like to work and they're, and, 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 and they're pretty good workers. I could tell you the mo- oh, yeah. some of the most productive people are freaking drug addicts. I've, yeah. I've known some <laughs> of those people. Uh, there's more coming up here. If you want to weigh in on independence, uh, independence day with one California County, some people advocating in that county, El Dorado County, for secession from the state of California and not to join Nevada, but to start their own, the 51st state in the United States. Uh, Do they have a chance? Well, I don't know, (laughs) but I like the idea. There's more coming up here in moments. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Talk Live, kicking off the third hour here. You can join us on this Independence Day edition of the show. For those of you that actually give a damn about independence, most people today, I don't know if it's most of them, but a lot of people today, four out of ten according to one survey, don't even know what the point of this holiday is. Uh, But we're here to remind you that it is about independence, which is to say declaring independence from tyrants. They declared independence from the tyrant king in Great Britain back in the day, and it's about time that we declared independence from the tyrants in Washington, D.C. It's time for this to happen again. In fact, it would be better to get out from underneath D.C. now rather than whenever it is that it all comes crashing down economically. And you can get out from them economically, as we were discussing earlier, by protecting yourself 
by looking at getting into uh, cryptocurrency or precious metals. So there are ways sort of out but not completely out where you can protect your own wealth or your family's wealth. But then to actually get out from underneath the political apparatus would be an ideal situation as well. Here tonight, it's Ian. And Jay. And, and Mark. Ta- oh, yeah, that's right. He's still there. Yeah, he's on uh, Costa Rica tonight. Another thing we could add to how you can be independent is instead of watching Netflix, instead of you know just scrolling through TikTok or YouTube or Facebook, learn a skill. Exercise that skill. Whatever it is. You know, you blacksmithing is something i mm-hmm. like teaching kids to do it's a fun thing it's a, a confidence builder but just just learn a skill and become valuable and like just think how how uh you know if new hampshire was able to do direct trading with say vladimir putin right or or, or a gas prom is that what the russian oil companies call like we can just I think so yeah because you know, so new hampshire's not because we got lots of granite to drill through and we're not like really in a pro- i don't know maybe there is oil in new hampshire i'm not sure <laughs> but there's definitely a bunch of oil out west yeah um and uh but like you know we could buy you know cheap cheap energy if we wanted to in fact i really like the idea of having a you know several of these you know very safe nuclear power plants i think they're called like thorium reactors mm-hmm. i'm not really so sure about I, no, i'm not i'll take any nuclear power um when you compare the amount of deaths that have occurred since uh three mile island with uh, from oil you know just the petroleum hydrocarbon sure. har- hydrocarbons generally versus all the deaths that have occurred from nuclear power nuclear power is by far the safest thing even old antiquated nuclear power yep. forget the melt meltdown proof thorium reactors right. which are still experimental but are, and but will likely be some amazing technology in yeah the, the new tech nuclear stuff is really exciting from from what we've heard yeah th- th- that's what i really like my father-in-law i spent a little time with him um last week and uh, he worked in the uh, nuclear power plant most of his well he worked in the nuclear power plants for his pretty much his entire engineering career mm-hmm. and um but he worked over at that one in portsmouth for a long time i, f- I forget what that one's called that's where he put over 20 years in there and uh yeah he just loves the idea of uh you know, a thorium reactor. And in fact, he's one of these guys, we were somewhere talking about a nuclear power plant and some lady says to him, would you like a nuclear power plant in your backyard? And he said, absolutely. Actually, he goes, you could put it right underneath my bed if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, the thorium <laughs> ones can't be uh, melted down and they're, they've come up with uh, these little mini power plants that can power a whole neighborhood from like a relatively small little container, essentially, as I understand it. Uh, so yeah, you could pop one of those things out in your uh, the side of your house, right next to your air, you know your air conditioner or whatever it is that's out there, and you know, sell power to your neighbors if you wanted to for a God knows how long. Uh, you know, Jay, you're talking about learning a skill. I know that a couple of weeks ago you were over at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which is something we spent a lot of time talking about. Our uh, co-host Aria Demetso, before she went to prison, was doing live broadcasts uh, or recorded broadcasts there from the campground. And I don't think she had a chance to talk to you as far as an interview is concerned, but you were probably really busy over there at Man Camp, which is something you've been telling our listeners about here. Uh, You did some fundraising for it to try to teach not just kids, but also adults, anybody who comes to, uh, to Man Camp. To yep. help them learn a skill, something that they you know didn't already know about, like how to what? What were you doing over there? So basically, year? I was just teaching kids how to forge iron. So I had a propane mm-hmm. forge set up. Basically, it's all my stuff when I was horseshoeing. So all the equipment I had there, I've actually had for nearly twenty years now. Oh, wow! Um, okay. But when I was like you know from the time I was twelve to the time I was about twenty five, 
one of my things I did was put shoes on horses. <clears throat> so uh, I and when I was 21 years old or 22 years old, I bought out a guy all of his equipment, the forge, the anvil, a lot of the stuff that I had there. Mm-hmm. So I had that set up. And then I made these smaller anvils uh, that I made. So I, I didn't make a small anvil. So I had got a small anvil, and we set that up just on a uh, like a 12-inch tall stump, you know, from just a piece of firewood that you would split. Instead of, you know, splitting it, we just left it the the, the round. And I had the uh, little anvil on there. So, you know, like five- and six-year-old kids could, you know, be at their waist height. Um, in fact, uh, my kids were banging on it the whole time that we weren't operating man, man camp. And, um <clears throat> And anyways, because uh, my kids are a little too small to be playing with, you know, molten hot metal and, yep. you know, swinging it around. I let them actually uh, uh, take the take the hammer and just bang on cold iron and put safety glasses on. They like that. But okay. they're but anyways, we uh, I taught so we can make a we make coat hook hangers. Uh, we made um, uh, some other ornamental art, some more functional art, a bunch of uh, like a, a squirrel cooker. Uh, was one of the things is basically like a big long fork that you make out of uh, you know twisting you know wire steel together three sixteenths rod. Um, I set up like a custom anvil setup for these uh, young kids to bang on. I had different size hammers, and uh, so I had a, a six year old. Um, his name's Warner. Uh, he did a fantastic job. He made his own coat hook. He was uh, um, could really tell a lot about the parenting of these kids and sort of you know how they're brought up. Uh, just kind of by working with him, and and his parents are doing a fantastic job with him because uh, he just followed all the directions really good. He was really focused on it. But this is also a family; they're homeschoolers. The kids don't use internet devices, and um, so he made a coat hook. And actually, he did it in about thirty minutes, which was pretty pretty good. Um, and then I had another kid uh, that that did a, a project, and he had a TikTok um, uh, attention span, and oh. you know I had to keep him. Keep them uh, going. Uh, keep get get them back on track every time as we were, you know, forging this project together. And uh, his dad was doing it with him. But the kid, he did a good job. Mm-hmm. He was really into it, and he just, I just had to keep on redirecting him. You know, kind of like you know what, you know, I, Mark and Ian, both of you guys have had many dogs, and there are dogs that, uh, for example, uh, as soon as they see a squirrel. You know, <laughs> they're all interested in that squirrel and you got to mm-hmm. yell at them or get yeah. them back. I didn't have to yell at this kid. I'm like, nope, just keep on hammering, buddy. Okay, yeah. stop, you know, and we're going to heat it up again. And um, so, uh, and and what was really, uh, it, so it was fun. So I, I definitely get a dopamine hit off of uh, building confidence in, in, in young people. And that's kind of the, the whole thing with man camp is to re- re- reinstate confidence in mankind. And you know, one of the things that, you know, kids were doing 200 years ago out, you know, in rural America, you know, every homestead had a had a forge, had an anvil, uh, had a way to manipulate some metal uh, because you, you needed this stuff. So, you know, six, seven, eight, nine year old kids, they were helping out in a blacksmith shop. They were doing whatever. Um, and, you know, that helped make a confident generation that really built this country to be, you know, what it became uh, when it was great. Um, so, uh uh, and there was, you know, I I should have had the numbers all written down, but there was probably twenty kids that did it that were say over the week, yeah, over the week that were mm-hmm. under eighteen. I, okay. I'm going to guess, and there was, oh, you know, ten or fifteen, you know, adults that you know made some man camp projects. For example, uh, Derek Slopey of uh, Agoris Hosting, uh, who who's another guy who was a um a sponsor of man camp. He donated some tools, he donated some money, some equipment, 
Uh, you know, he made himself a, a you know a cool project as you know as the, uh, there wasn't any young kids around, and actually he helped with a lot of kids. Uh, and uh, Ernest Hancock helped out also. Ernest mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, was real good, and you know, and Ernest, er, er, Ernie, and Derek, these guys are kind of like pretty independent guys anyways they got a lot of confidence they sort of have a lot of skills they're you know sure. they've been entrepreneurs their entire lives um this wasn't their first time at main camp either. no this wasn't their first time but it, it was handy having those guys help out um uh taron lupo you know a lot of people here know taron lupo uh he's a chiropractor up there at rogers campground great yeah, he guy lives there part-time now yeah lives there part-time and uh then he's got a homestead somewhere in the carolinas he's in the winter time but uh, Taron Lupo made a project, uh, and actually my brother Josh jumped in and helped him out with that. And my brother Josh is a really good blacksmith. He actually used to do these blacksmithing competitions all the time, where you're, but it was based around horseshoeing. So these guys would make their horseshoes from a piece of, you know, just uh, steel stock, piece of bar stock, you know, custom-made horseshoes. So Josh still does that as part of his career. He mm-hmm. makes custom shoes a lot. So he basically fires up a forge, you know, five days a week and, you know, hammers out, you know, some kind of iron and he's a really good bladesmith. So him and Taryn made a pretty um, awesome uh, project. Uh, The uh, girl that did all of our babysitting this year was really good. 16 year old girl. Um, Her name's Zoe. Uh, And she is a, you know, working on becoming an entrepreneur. She is an entrepreneur and she makes jewelry. This isn't little Zoe from the pizza. Nope. Nope. Um, uh, I don't don't even know Zoe's last name. Okay. All right. But anyways, uh, so at the end of it all, she, she, um, you know, she babysat my kids and did a great Mm -hmm. job with them, took them to the playground, which is real handy. And uh, at the end of it all, she wanted to make a bunch of display hooks. So, Hmm. you know, I got her going on. Uh, making display hooks just out of, you know, some stock that we had. You can make anything you want out of metal, um, you know, for, like, display hooks, all kinds of stuff. And uh, th- so these are display hooks to hang, like, you know, her jewelry and stuff she sells, mm-hmm. and, you know, at her vending setup. So she made, I don't know, seven to ten different hooks and kind of made them all different styles and all different ways and had a good time doing it. And Cool. And uh, <clears throat> But a lot of, lot of moms were very intimidated by letting their little boy come over and you know uh, overprotective well they yeah. they were just intimidated i wouldn't say overprotective no. because every kid almost well half the kids that were interested in it definitely got to do it okay so i didn't run man camp that many hours i basically ran it from like you know one o'clock till like four o'clock or like two o'clock till about five o'clock or six o'clock because you know uh my son takes a nap and he you know about midday and mm-hmm. we didn't want to be out there banging well you know right outside the camper while he's trying to take a nap and and uh life's a lot easier when when the baby can take a nap you know a good <laughs> sure. nap you know you know come come evening and afternoon um okay so, so we didn't get quite as many hours as uh uh, I would have. Were you uh, able to bring in uh, the professionals that you'd wanted to hire? You wanted to bring some uh, people in? Well, not really, and mm-hmm. but sort of. So my brother, Josh, absolutely, yep. he's a professional. Sure. So he was real busy. He he didn't want, he wasn't like looking to be hired uh, to do anything, but he just jumped in and helped out Taryn with his project because it was something my brother was interested in, you know, that Taryn was making. Yeah. And um, and then he also helped us like get set up. And he also yep. helped me break the situation down. My other brother, Christopher, couldn't make it. Um, and uh, it's probably a good thing because I did put out, I, you know, I offered to pay um, a thousand bucks to my one brother, Christopher, to just get him up there and do it. And But he was in the middle of uh, making hay. He took on a bunch of hay ground and got mm-hmm. a bunch of hay equipment. So he, he was making hay. He couldn't come. Um, but uh, it um, basically, 
the money that got donated, pretty much uh, basically all of it got burnt right up just in really? expenses. Wow. Well, and what, like the metal? or So I bought some metal. I bought mm-hmm. some safety gear. I bought some tools. Mm-hmm. Um, I hired a babysitter. Uh, I, um, you know, I uh, had to have, I had to go back down and get another trailer, you know, full oh, of wow. all the equipment and gear. Uh, so like that was just a hundred bucks in fuel, basically round trip from right. my place to Rogers, you know, then got to go back up, get the trailer, bring it back. Um, and, uh, and then also there was, uh, you know, paying for the campground, you know, mm-hmm. all, all, yeah. all that stuff adds up and, uh, you know, uh, the reason I was, you know, trying to put a five thousand dollar, you know, um, <clears throat> trying to get five thousand dollars was because I, I was, you know, hopeful to after everything have money left over to pay me for, you know, just my time in doing it. Because yeah. what I've been doing the last three years at Pork Fest is uh, selling beef that I raise. Well, pork and beef that either I raise or Bardo Farm raises. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this year I brought some of the equipment. I was going to do breakfast because breakfast was been popular. But um, I, I ended up not even setting up the cooking equipment. Oh, I just wouldn't have any time. You know, wow. was, I just did the mornings with my kids. We'd go to mm-hmm. the playground and just go run around and do stuff. And then, um, and usually in the mornings, I'm doing farming chores with my kids, anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, uh, but like the last couple of years, I was able to, after all the expenses of pork fest with the meat, I was basically able to pay half of the property tax. My property your tax, house. your property tax at your house. Yeah, okay. yeah, half okay. of the property tax just off, off selling the meat. So, you know, I think last year I did like uh, six or seven thousand dollars. But last year that was what you were focused on. You didn't have man camp. Right. Didn't have man camp. And and you really can't do both of them. Mm -hmm. So basically it's like, you know, uh, so selling the meat did better than the man camp did. Or dollars wise. Dollars wise. Yeah. yeah. But but selling the meat didn't raise anyone's confidence. Mm -hmm. You know, it didn't didn't give uh, kids cool ideas. Mm -hmm. You know, it it, it wasn't, you know, nobody. I mean, actually, a lot of people were disappointed that wasn't selling, uh, you know, cooking food. I bet. Uh, It gives a lot of families sustainably raised meat um, that. You know, I mean, it's it's hard to quantify the value of that, but I can tell you, I served a lot of families in New Hampshire for uh, some years with uh, humanely raised meat, and you know, you can't put a number on it, right? Although some did, although everybody did, and I did too. <laughs> so, so, so the bottom line is, is um, I got so much positive feedback and text messages, pictures. In fact, I got another message um, uh, yesterday from a guy. He says, uh, the, uh, uh, the coat hook my son made still hasn't been mounted because he just wants to bring it everywhere to show, show everyone. He's oh, been showing cool. it to his friends, to his, to his, to his grandmother, you know, nice. everyone he, you know, that, that comes around. And, uh, and he's like, what a confidence builder, mm. you, know, you know, this was in my son. Uh, another guy, he was one of the first guys to come and do it with his, with his son, he came back around on Sunday before he left, and he's like, "Hey, man, I really want to thank you a lot." And, and he gave me fifty bucks. Okay, um, all right. And I said, "I, I, I want to thank you a lot. Uh, this is really uh, awesome. Um, you, uh, this, uh, this forging exercise, this blacksmithing that you're do- that you're doing here, has caused uh, these kids to level up their character in the game we call life." And I said, yep, you know what my dad called that? My dad called it manning up. You got to, <laughs> my dad would had, had two terms. There was cowboy up. You just need to cowboy up a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, and the cowboy up is like when you're going to get on that horse, that's like snorting and swishing his tail and, you know, probably going to buck you off. That's a cowboy up situation. And then there was like manning up was just 
you had to you had to do it no matter what. You don't have to cowboy up, but you but you have to man up. Okay, and I, you know was sort of the thing. So, uh, but yeah, and so anyways, oh, the moms that were concerned. So mm. so so the moms were definitely watching some of these kids, and they're like concerned. And I'm like, ah, I'll. I go, if you're not, if, if you don't think your son can handle this, you know, you get right in here and help out too. <laughs> uh-huh. So they did a couple of moms were just swinging hammers and doing it and uh, having a great job. In fact, one of the first people who did man camp was like a 38 year old woman. Mm-hmm. She didn't have any kids, but uh, you know, as soon as she swung that hammer two or three times and she had it and was doing it really well. And mm. you know, I, but she's like, Oh yeah. She goes, my, my grandfather taught me how to swing a hammer. And, uh, um, so another thing I did at man camp for, uh, the little kids that couldn't do the hot forging yeah. is I just let them bang nails into some wood I had. Okay. So we had the hammers and we had some nails and I also let them use, um, uh, my, uh, screw, my impact driver, uh, mm-hmm. screw gun thing. So they were just running screws into, uh, like the block of wood that the anvil was on yeah. and, uh, they were banging nails into it. I'm just letting them sink nails into it. And one little girl comes over, uh, her name's Molly. She's five. And uh, Molly and, and my daughter Cypress are buddies. And uh, Molly's like, we can play with adult tools. I'm like, yes, you can. She's like, I'm going <laughs> to hang out over here all the time. And she's just, <laughs> you know, taking a hammer, banging the anvil. And she's actually taking screws that you screw in. And she starts banging them in the wood, which is fine. I don't care, you know. And, <laughs> and, and I'm like, you guys can do this, but you got to wear safety glasses. So uh, I bought like okay. a bunch of child-sized safety glasses. Mm-hmm. And I bought um, small safety glasses. So, and... I bought like small gloves, so there's plenty of gloves. I bought a bunch of aprons, and then and I got way too many aprons. So I bought aprons, and then the order gets like kicked back off Amazon, mm. or it says, "Oh, we're gonna have a delay." And I'm like, you know, I was trying to like like June second, I bought these a- a- aprons because I wanted to have like things ordered by my goal yeah, was June first, and uh, so by the time I get the the money converted from crypto into Amazon uh, gift card. Um, which I did like seven different ways to make it happen, which was interesting. But anyways, uh, they're like, oh, this isn't going to be here until, you know, July 10th. And, uh, you know, if you need Oops. it sooner, or you know, cho- you can choose similar products from these guys. Uh-huh. So I went and so I'd like, I guess I didn't cancel that order. Uh, I thought I did. Uh-huh. And so I went and I ordered like similar products from other guys that, and I did get from other vendors on Amazon. They were a little more money. Uh, but it showed up before pork fest, so I had right. it. But when I got home, I had a bunch more because I forgot to like, cancel the, <laughs> the order. order. Came through. Um, there was, you know, it was there when I got home. Uh-huh. But um, uh, so I, uh, some things about uh, man camp is uh, uh, the moms were sort of relieved after they saw other little kids doing it, mm-hmm. and then uh, there was one boy. He was twelve, and I think he played. I think he was into video games, uh, but. Uh, his mom was like very concerned about him getting hurt, and uh, she was probably a hover mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and helicopter uh, parent, yeah. Uh, wait, but she let him. Actually, as soon as he started doing it, she walked away. So okay, she wasn't good. that helicopter. All right, that's not bad. She's like, "Can I leave now?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure, he's cool." <laughs> and uh, but but they watched the six year old boy Warner just uh-huh. just like crank out. Like Warner did such a good a good job. I wish I had video of him doing it. Hmm. Um, but uh, but he but I told him he could do man camp like three days before he actually got to do it, mm-hmm. and every day he's like, "Mom, can I go do man camp today?" <laughs> no, you can't. It's, that's going to be on Thursday or whatever day he was doing man camp. Yeah. We kind of scheduled his, and um, but but after that, mom, they after they saw the six year old boy, 
make this and, and just handling everything. And, and I had them handling the tongs and, and I was using vice grips too to, uh, to hold the hot stuff so the kids could just hold on to the vice grip and not because okay. tongs, you have to like squeeze them with your hand. It's a little more of a challenge. Yeah. Uh, but that six year old, he, he, he cranked it out and did awesome. The mom was like, oh, my 12 year old can do that. Uh, but the 12 year old boy, he, he was worn out halfway through making the, um, uh, making his coat hook. The huh. same project a six-year-old boy did. But the six-year-old boy is like an outdoors boy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, he's doing stuff. He's active. Uh, the, the 12-year-old boy, I never met him before. I don't know who the family was. But he's like, he he, he kind of wanted to give up halfway through. And I'm like, mm. dude, really? You're tired? I go, that six-year-old kid over there. And he's like, <laughs> oh, he's six. I'm like, he's half your size. You know, the, 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 the Warner was already gone. And uh, so the 12-year-old boy is like, Oh, okay, I can do this, and then uh, and, and, and I kind of had to just convince him not to. He's like, I think I'm okay. I'm like, you, we we have we can't hang this hook on the wall yet. It's, it's useless. It. It's only yeah. three quarters of the way built. Let's go. So like, he's like, oh, my arms never been so sore, and um, so 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 any well, yeah, he, he, swinging a hammer it for probably minutes. hadn't right. Okay, okay. He, he definitely didn't know how to swing a hammer. That was like mm-hmm. the first five minutes of the uh, thing. I see. So. Uh, but all the like three, four, and five year olds who were banging uh, screws and nails into the boards, they learned how to swing a hammer. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so yeah, the kid was like, his mother came back and he's like, "Thank you for um, for uh, convincing my son to get his job done." You know, he That's was great. he was very happy. With nice, that. got the follow through on that one. All right, there's more coming up here. Uh, Jay Noon's Man Camp. You can share your thoughts on whatever's on your mind. We'll get a chance to talk about felons and guns in the United States as well. It's Free Talk Live. That's not Mark. Just have to turn him down for a moment. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. Mark is joining us all the way from down in Costa Rica. Mark, are you with us? Yeah, we were trying to get the internet back here. Terribly oh, okay, sorry. good. Well, it seems like you're okay. So glad to have you I don't know you what you're going to do. It's like wishing. We were wishing hard the internet would come back. Here you are. Uh, we were talking with Jay Noon. Uh, he's given us a recap of the Man Camp experience at this year's Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's something that you started up a few years back, maybe even several years ago. Uh, Jay, do you remember what year it was that Man Camp premiered? I did it, 2019. 2019, and that yep. was at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Yes. And, uh, and uh, then this, did you do it the year after, and then you took nope. a couple years off, or no, it was just a one-off? Okay. Well, so we had Cypress a year after. Okay. And and the 2019 thing was just like, it was a big financial hit. Uh, you know, I spent, mm-hmm. uh, I think on 2019, like, you know, it was something like $3,400 worth of costs going into it, you know, including the site, the, you know, the equipment. I brought too much equipment. I bought a mm-hmm. you know, bunch of stuff. and. People gotta understand. It takes me like a whole week to just put this together before yeah. I even go there. Like you know, when I say a whole week, you know, maybe sixty hours of my time, and that's you know, money you would nor- or time you would normally be spending working right. for other people doing other so, things. So I was like, all right, I can't do that. Uh, and I, I, we weren't. I wasn't interested in doing that. You know, we had. You know, Cyprus was four months old, and now yeah. Cyprus is three, and and you know, my son is almost two, and like you know. I had arranged for a babysitter, so because we had the babysitter, we were able to do, you know, I was able to do this in limited hours a day, 
And um, but it, really, everything comes down to dollars. But um, so and and, and then I, I, you know, we also had uh, the next year we had all the, you know, the the pork that we had raised. Uh, mm-hmm. So I sold a bunch of that. And and that turn and, and that's actually the most lucrative thing you can do is cook food at Pork Fest because there's a lot of competition. Actually, this year there was a lot of competition. So mm-hmm. I sold, uh, I sold, uh, you know, I brought frozen beef and I brought a bunch of Bardo Farm pork products to sell. And um, I only think I sold it eight hundred dollars worth of uh, worth of meat. But you weren't uh, cooking it; you were just I wasn't, selling yeah, it. That was all just frozen. Mm-hmm. So a whole bunch of campers bought ham- hamburger patties off me, and okay. you know, ground beef and sausage links, and then uh, Autonomy Unlimited. Uh, I think it's autonomyunlimited.com. They have a bunch of their autonomy graduates and students. Which has a really awesome course uh, with the what autonomy's doing, um, but anyways, uh, autonomy uh, cafe they had set up there, so they bought a bunch of beef and patties off. Right, me. okay, that's cool. And uh, but uh, they only bought like you know three hundred and fifty dollars worth of you know beef patties uh, that mm-hmm. they had um, you know sold. They had bought some steaks and some other pork cuts off of uh, Bardo Farm. They they had sold, but uh, there was a lot of people cooking, mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, but there was a whole bunch of people. There was a whole bunch of people that wanted to, um, you know, fill their coolers and leave. And uh, half of them, you know, never made it to me. I stayed there till you know Monday. Um, mm. uh, but uh, 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 but a handful of people did. They filled up their coolers with you know meat from me, and you know before they left, yeah. which was cool. Uh, but the um, but it was it wasn't bad because I just put a chest freezer in my trailer. When I get up to Rogers, I plug it in, you know, and then just it's a two-hour okay. drive. So it isn't like I went up there with coolers and everything's defrosted. Yeah, you know, like kept out it cold. Me. Yep, they yeah. look keep it cold. So that what so, um, so that so so that was all good, and um, but I put a lot of time and effort into it, and basically it was like I uh, I you know did three plus weeks worth of work, you know, yeah. essentially just you know for not not getting paid. Oh um, yeah, I mean it's it's hard. Uh, even though there's thou- you know two thousand people there and everybody appreciates the the work, yep. it's you know activism is something that you do because of that psychic income. Yep. You do because you love it because you are making a difference. It would be nice if you could actually make money at it, but man, it is it is well, hard to do. I um, now that we got so we definitely got some interest with some other people involved. There's another freedom event that uh, they approached me mm-hmm. about doing this, and I'm gonna. It'll be August till I know more about that if that's gonna happen and how it's gonna happen. So I want you to take man camp on the road. Uh, yes. Nice. Yep. Um, so because well, it'd be the, great if someone could actually sponsor the whole thing right. and pay for the whole thing. Yep. And, and, and like, well, and and for example, like um, you know, uh, Mark Warden, Porcupine Real Estate sends me a text that's message. Right. Uh, like uh you know a week before pork fest he's like hey uh, uh i want to send you some money to be a spon- uh, to sponsor um man camp oh nice and and he just he just sent me some money it it it, it was um uh it wasn't the biggest donation but it was certainly in the top 10 and mm-hmm. it mm, it didn't quite c- cover the babysitting bill <laughs> but uh but still it was nice and uh he was your only sponsor right well not Yes, basically at Pork Fest, uh, for Pork Fest, he was the only sponsor. Um, and then we had, uh, you know, so one guy, an anonymous uh, 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 donator, you know, donated us a twenty five hundred dollar Bitcoin. It's amazing, which was really handy. Um, and then a few, I think, so on the um, crypto um, donations, I think it was like twenty seven fifty 
if so you, the majority of the donations was crypto. Right, right. Yeah. If you um if you went by the day that they were donated, but like when I was actually buying some of the things, turning that crypto into like Amazon gift cards, for mm-hmm. example, to buy supplies, you know, the crypto was down like twelve or fifteen percent. Mm. You know, so it, it, I mean, it's kind of the way it now went. Now it's back up. Yeah, now it's <laughs> of you course. know, like if I look at a twenty five hundred dollar donation, it's close to a three thousand dollar you know value. Too late, but today's yeah. <laughs> but what I spent, uh, you know. 12 or 1400 of it on 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 things it was you know it was like a 2100 dollar you know value when i had to spend it but you know that's what happens sometimes. by the way since you mentioned mark <laughs> warden uh, we should point out he does do porcupine real estate and that is a great uh organization to get you connected with real estate here in new hampshire yep. uh if you're considering making the move up here whether you've been to the porcupine freedom festival or whether you've checked it out uh been you know taking the time to visit new hampshire yet you can get in touch with the folks over at porcupine real estate and they will uh, invite you to some webinars they've got multiple topics they're going to be focusing on here and they've been doing Uh, in fact you can go to their uh, youtube channel which is called porcupine real estate you can watch the previous webinars that they've had there and get a feel for what they've been covering but they're uh, including gun freedoms medical freedoms political freedom victories they've got uh presentations about best practices on moving to new hampshire and best practices on finding housing you can sign up for these upcoming webinars by going to move.freetalklive.com they're free to attend you just have to go and get registered just move.freetalklive.com go to that site that takes you over to the porcupine real estate website and that's where you can get signed up these guys know their business they know real estate they know new hampshire these, I think they're almost all free staters there at Porcupine Real Estate. They know the community. They know some of the cool stuff that's happening up here, and they'll be able to answer a lot of your questions on these webinars. So uh, drop uh, drop on into move.freetalklive.com to get signed up for those upcoming webinars. Do you have any other man camp stories, uh, uh, Jay, that you want yeah, to share? Yeah, so um, and, and just to say, uh, Mark Warden of Porcupine Real Estate uh, and Porcupine Real Estate in general, they've always been so supportive to like a lot of just good stuff happening here in Absolutely. New Hampshire. And they're bringing quality people to New Hampshire. Um, I've met a lot of people that have bought, bought homes. My sister bought her house uh, through those guys. She's very happy with the deal. Um, just Yeah, a lot of, mm-hmm. they're good. Um, so, yeah, uh, so there was some uh, parents that uh, did man camp five, or kids that did man camp five years ago. Um, they weren't here, but uh, a couple of their parents, like one guy, um, he just, he just came up to me and handed me a hundred dollar bill. Hmm. He's like, he's like, my kids aren't even here. They did this. This really helped, you know, them so much. I love what you're doing. Uh, I wish I could give you more, but here you go. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so, so, th- so that's that was nice cool. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing is, is, uh, it's, it's a lot of prep work. It's, it's a lot of equipment. It's a lot of time and, you know, working one-on-one with like a six-year-old mm-hmm. for an hour, to like make a coat hook or make two coat hooks, um, you know, is, uh, you know, at, as a mechanic at home, I get 125 bucks an hour for that. And you know, that, you know, a lot of, and we didn't charge anybody there. If somebody wanted to donate something, they could, you know, um, that's nice. And yeah, so it, and it's fun. And, uh, the, the confidence building is huge and, you know, it would have been interesting if the, uh, the kids that went five years ago had come back and you could kind of see how they they changed in the yep. last five years, and you know maybe they'd be able to comment on how man camp helped them in their lives. I mean, I don't know. It would be interesting to kind of have a yep. man camp follow up. You know? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's a good idea because I I know who a few of those are. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, there was two kids there. There, one of them I believe is eighteen, Macy, and um, 
Colby is 20, uh, and they did it five years ago. Oh, okay. So you did but, have. But, well, no, well, they didn't come to man camp again. They just uh, stopped by. They, they just stopped by. They said, hi, That's this is nice. cool. This is fun. You know, glad you're doing this. And, nice. And they, they, they were kind of, um, you know, uh, just more having a good time on their own, you know, mm-hmm. just, just just enjoying it. Uh, but but also even uh, like the boy Colby, he's like, oh, I don't even have any pants. All I got is flip flops and shorts, you know, <laughs> for example. <laughs> um, there was a uh, but <clears throat> uh, so I'm going to uh, on my website, jnoon.com. Uh, J-A-Y-N-O-O-N-E.com. Uh, I will be uh, uh, working on updating that uh, soon to uh, prepare for uh, fundraising for the next man camp event. Uh, okay. If you still wanted to give those. Not too late. Know, those QR codes are, are, are up there. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I gotta um, I gotta definitely do a lot of extra work to make up for not you know earning any money for a couple of weeks, um, for sure. But anyways, uh, it was uh, it was a good experience. I I learned a lot, and I'm getting uh, better at this. Uh, and I'm going to I what I really want to do is I want to do this weekly at my house. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Just, and I'm just, I'm actually this week, I'm going to build a little setup so I can just leave my forge and anvil kind of all set up outside, but mm-hmm. so it's not getting directly rained on. And then I can just fire it up and just do it. And, uh, so I'm, I'm going to start by, um, you know, just charging like an hourly rate for like, just to come do it and see That's what fair. happens. Yeah. You, you gotta, and, you gotta make something. At and, uh, and I also have a deal with, um, tomorrow I got a kid coming, a 14 year old, um, and him and I are going to build some, um, gates uh, some loading gates for uh, moving hogs back and forth mm-hmm. uh, that we can back the trailer up to and you know put them into their pens, nice gates, and we're going to use the forge, the anvil, and the welder. And uh, the 14-year-old kid really wants to weld, and uh, right. he's been working at Bardo Farm, and he wants to level up his game. So he's nice. going to come tomorrow, and we'll see what happens. Very cool. All right. Uh, Mark, any questions for Jay? You've been kind of sitting out there uh, quietly. Well, I can only say as a father, I wish my son was uh, doing this uh, particular activity. Uh, but then again, um, you know, like, I guess I wish I should be doing. I should be doing it too. Mm. Uh, th- that's a thing. So um, the campfire, the campfire cooker set that we we make. So you can make either a tripod thing to like hang like a Dutch oven from, or it can be made as like a spit. You put these two things into the ground. And you have a bar going across, and you can hang hooks off it. And you, you could either you could actually take like a sixty pound pig and put this put it around the spit and wire it on there and cook it. Or you can do it with chickens. We've done it with chickens like silver. Dave did his uh, and, and Luke Radowski a couple of years ago in 2020, we did the survival apocalypse training and that's what we did. We, uh, everybody, uh, caught a chicken and then they killed the chicken, you know, that came into this survival apocalypse training and mm. they, and they skinned it and then they cooked it on a spit over a campfire. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that was uh, part of the deals. And so anyways, uh, you can make a campfire cooker set, which is a really good, family thing to do um and i really encourage dads and moms to get in there and and just do the hammering on, on these projects because you take a you like a six-year-old kid who does, hasn't swung a hammer much um it wears them out quick i mean i watched a 12 year old get mm-hmm. worn out real quick uh and then like the the one seven-year-old kid him and his dad did it and, and, it, and it went really fast because you know dad dad you know an, an adult can hammer quite well can bang sure. iron good versus a kid and when um and that kind of like working with dad and presenting that, uh, and that just helps their relationship, makes that bond stronger. Uh, and even the one mom who participated with her kid, you know, they just, um, they were, the, you could tell uh, that definitely some neurons had to fire in both of their brains, uh, you know, to um, to make it all happen, so, and which is good. That's what we want. We yep. want to exercise the brain and exercise the confidence. New experience, for sure. 
Uh, you mentioned Silver Dave. He's uh, somebody we've had on the show from time to time as a guest or a guest yep. co-host. He used to do uh, the like, this like really fancy cooking yep. at Porkfest and Forkfest where you'd he would announce in advance like what the meal was going to yep. be, and it would be like lemon crusted fish, you know, salmon yeah. freshly yeah. purchased from the market with yep. like fancy veggies and everything. Like it'd be a twenty five dollar plate, but it'd be the best damn food on the campground. Forty dollar plate now, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, he, I, is he even doing it now? Because it looked like he no. was doing all Silver Dave silver stuff, only silver. Year. Yeah. Um. So he's got uh his silver line is heavy metal construction and uh, localsilverment dot com. I think mm-hmm. is where you find him. Uh, yeah, but so Dave, these were the years where he do he was yep. sort of out of the silver game, and he was doing yeah. cu- custom cooking yep. for it for people. And I, was, I had to say, I had to told Bonnie, I was like, man, it's a shame Silver Dave isn't cooking this year because he was the best on the the whole campground. But uh, glad la- to see he was doing la- something else last year um, when he did all the cooking. He's like, you know, the week after Pork Fest is uh, Dave was just inviting all of his friends over to the domes and mm-hmm. cooking them up filet mignons and lemon crusted. <laughs> um, sahi something tuna or whatever and we were just having gourmet meals almost every other night you know because awesome. he's just he had all this leftover stuff so the, well the he first, must not have done well because the years he was cooking right. previous to that he would sell out every yep. single night yeah, he didn't sell out last year wow and so okay. so it was a, the autonomy cafe kind of did the gourmet cooking so uh-huh. they did lobster tail and they okay. did steak and they did some kind of i'm glad fish. someone filled in the gaps That's yeah uh, yeah they filled yeah. in the gaps but there was a lot of food there and a lot of families brought food because hmm. you know well you know you you bring like you know you your wife and three kids to pork yeah. fast you, add you could burn $200 a day sure. just in yeah. food, uh, or you can spend, you know, 300 bucks at the grocery store and, you know, feed yourself, sure. you know, for the entire week. Yeah, that's so. true. Yeah, I mean, for me, going to that event, uh, as someone without a family, part of the fun is going around to the different food right. vendors and seeing what all's out there. And uh, Bonnie and I were able to come up for two days of Pork Fest this year. We also went up for one day of Fork Fest, which is the decentralized alternative festival that happens prior to... Uh, the Porcupine Freedom Festival. And there's been actually a lot of talk. I mean, every year after Pork Fest is done, the Fork Festers are always talking about like, all right, well, what do we do next year? And it seems like there's a larger interest in Fork Fest in 2024, at least right now. Hopefully it'll that will continue on. Uh, folks like Taryn Lupo, you mentioned earlier, who's a uh, very uh, well-known chiropractor within the community and uh, a content producer as well. Uh, he says he wants to zero in on Fork Fest and like go and actually invite some of the people that used to come to the Porcupine Freedom Festival all the time and they just haven't been for years and try to like reach out to them directly. People like some of our former co-hosts like Sam Dodson and uh, people like that and say, hey, you know, come on back, come up to, to Fork Fest. Like if you still don't want to go to the Porcupine Freedom Festival, we want to try to get more people to go to uh, to Fork Fest. I'm glad to I'm glad that there's so much uh, renewed interest. I guess it was due to some of the controversies. I mean, there's always Pork Fest always has its controversies. People oh, yeah, always have disagreements. There's always disagreements with the uh, the organizers and such. So maybe we will see uh, more people going to Fork Fest next year. I hope. I I wouldn't want to be an organizer for Pork Fest. I used to no, organize I, I these wouldn't either. Truck pulls and stuff, and oh man, that's a lot. It's of a work. thankless, thankless job in a lot of ways. It, it, it is, and you, and you do all this work, and then all of a sudden, all that work you've done doesn't count right now because somebody said no, <laughs> you know, or somebody's or, mad about something, right, right, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's difficult. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, and we talked to Dennis, uh, who was the main organizer of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, on the air on free talk live and i said you know you could try to decentralize this thing even further 
you know you could uh for instance just let the market decide on who's going to rent the pavilion right it doesn't have to be the free state project that rents the pavilion and decides on who speaks somebody else could do that it could be uh jeffrey tucker's brownstone institute it could be you know reason magazine it could be anybody uh that that wanted to put a thousand dollars a day up i think that's what rogers uh, charges for it and then you know let the market decide what yeah, should be there what i'd kind of like to do for uh hopefully for man camp next year is is like you know like maybe someone could sponsor the anvil you know mm, somebody could okay. sponsor the forge you know somebody could like uh sponsor the uh the hammer and another thing i, I, I or sponsor tools or just sponsor the tent or mm-hmm. sponsor the site or you know whatever and these are just some ideas that some people are giving me because right. you know i've just i haven't i guess i'm not really good at asking for money you know, there's a lot of different ways to ask for money. And uh, and so so that would certainly help. You know, you have, um, I don't know, it could be the, you know, the... the porcupine real estate? Yeah, porcupine, yeah, yeah or, or, or Forge or Anvil or whatever. Yeah, and, that could work. And the other thing I wanted, so what I did do is I actually sent uh, one family home with uh, all the blacksmithing equipment they need. Hmm. And uh, one thing that's really cool, we used it a little bit at Porkfest, is uh, I have an induction heater. Um, so you can heat metal with this electric induction heater and it's actually, I use it at home quite a bit. So I sent a guy home, uh, Richard Grove actually of autonomy, uh, unlimited. I sent him home with, uh, basically a vice that could also be an anvil. I sent him home with some stock. I sent, you know, metal stock to bend up for him and his son. And I sent him home with my induction forge so he could just plug it into his wall, you know, in his garage and they could do this. No fire, no flame. It's, uh, and, uh, a 110 volt uh, induction heating tool. If okay. anybody wants to look that up, they're really awesome. And uh, and I sent them some with some tools to do it, so and some protective gear. They got safety glasses, gloves, and an apron. Uh, and w- another thing I'd like to do next year is have basically a whole is uh, is uh, raffle off an entire blacksmithing set. So you would get like an anvil, um, tongs, tools, uh, maybe an induction huh. forge, the induction, or no, I call it an induction forge, but the induction heating tool and they're, that, that's cheap. It's like 130 bucks. The okay. one I have, uh, or maybe we'll do a propane forge. Um, but like you could use this induction tool. If you lived in a, you know, a, a homeowner's association place, you probably couldn't light a forge in your garage or right. out in the driveway. The neighbors might not like it tinging on an anvil <laughs> but like if the neighbors you know see kids learning skills and building their confidence and they're going to actually grow up to be you know productive you know people um they might maybe they might like it yeah, maybe. um yeah i like but, the uh, raffle idea I mean, that yeah sounds like a cool idea well you know uh a demo and uh freeman and pete air you know they raffled off their their um rv you know years ago yeah um, they did didn't they yep yeah. and then uh uh Silver Dave and a demo raffled raffled off some uh, some uh, rifles years ago. That's that, another one we were talking yep. about bringing a demo back because yep. it's been too long since he's been up here as well. Uh, uh, there's a lot of people that kind of made their way through New Hampshire. Their their path, their activism or whatever, brought them here. They kind of cut their teeth for a few years here in the uh, the activism, and then the their path brought them out of New Hampshire. And it sure would be great to uh, to see some of those those people again. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We. Uh, We've been uh, sort of courting um, a demo, trying to uh, incentivize him to get back here. I, I know Dave has been trying to get hit. Silver Dave's been trying to get him back because uh, a demo is a pretty skilled guy, and you know sure, a lot of people yeah. like him, and Dave really likes him. I like him. Uh, I think he's just working at an office job. Yeah, yeah. He's something. like a manager at some cubicle yep. office or whatever. It's like what? <laughs> How did I, that happen? I, yeah. Oh, I don't know. He's I, I, he's making money. You know, yeah. good for him. 
Um, <clears throat> well, I suspect but, that if Dave can hire him away, then he'll come work for him. Yeah, we'll see. He's been working on it for a while. Take. Uh, so yeah, I, I am really, you know, I, I'm excited to see what might happen next year for ForkFest because there seems like there's a lot of interest in it. As usual, the ForkFesters are talking about, well, you know, when should it be next year? Because ForkFest is a completely decentralized uh, festival. I mean, no one really gets to decide these things. There's not some organizer who says, these shall be the dates for ForkFest, right? It doesn't come down from... Uh, from on high, it just sort of comes out of a of a community discussion. So as always, there's some people that say it should be after the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which is the way it was three years previous. Uh, some people say, you know, it should be before the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which is the way it originally was for a few years. And that's how it was this I, year. I think with uh, Matt and Nikki's wedding, uh, mm-hmm. just like my wedding, it was really nice that it was before the festival. Yours was before. Yeah, that's yep. right. And uh and Fork Fest was before the festival, I believe, at my wedding. Also, mm-hmm. in fact, it was. And so that's nice that um, there's more of that overlap, uh, especially for like you know, you know, Matt and Nikki's wedding, which was which was really cool. Yeah, it was a nice. Wedding. Uh, yeah, my really kids was. had a great time. Uh, we had a great time. You know, was, and very happy for Matt and Nikki. Did you show up that day, or were you there a day prior to that? We got there a day before. Okay. Yep. All right. So. Yeah, I think that the half week thing worked better for Fork Fest this year than trying to do a full week. And then have people stay for another week of the Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's a little bit more of a of a of an easier ask yep. for people to show up. Just hey, show up the weekend before and hang out, and you know you don't have to buy a ticket to uh, to anything. And just it, enjoy people. Definitely, the whole thing was a lot for for me and my family because we were at the campground for twelve days mm-hmm. or eleven days, I guess, yeah. and then we went home for one day, and then we had to go. We hung out in a timeshare with my father in law for a couple of days at Weir's Beach, and then okay. we had to go this last weekend down to Massachusetts for a couple of nights. So like, uh, you know, we basically had, you know, o- over two weeks of just not being home, you know, and yeah, just for running sure. around a with little kids. exhausting. Oh yeah, it was. <laughs> Check him out over at jnoon.com. That's his website, J-A-Y-N-O-O-N-E.com. And we are out of time for tonight. We'll be back tomorrow and you can join us online between now and then. Don't forget, we do have our own social media platform. You can go to social.freetalklive.com. And you can get connected with the other Free Talk Live listeners and some of the hosts there. And you don't have the same rules and restrictions that you do on places like Twitter and Facebook and whatever this new Facebook-launched Twitter competitor is going to be. Just check ours out, social.freetalklive.com. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Realtor Mark Warden. Now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. PorcupineRealEstate.com